this week on Invasion of the Podcast, 2020 can just F off right now. We have 72 minutes to make a podcast about Bill and Ted Face the Music that will save all of reality. We apologize in advance. And I have a game for Paul. Will he be excellent or bogus? We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of Earth, attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion, the podcast where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. Uh, my name is Paul, and somewhere in the distance is uh, Steve Esquire. Steve, Steve, Steve. Hello, everyone. I was drinking. I thought you were going to say more than that. I'm sorry. I just uh, <laughs> caught me off Hello, guard. Hello, everyone. I, yeah. That's our show. Have a great night. Good night, everybody. You know, uh, no. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, we took a week off, um, you know, because we had done, and I, I, I know it was, I think you shared it to our page. We went on, uh, El Goro's wonderful talk with Out Rhythm podcast and had a very, um, you know, long discussion about, uh, Joe Bob Briggs, uh, and, uh, his, his legacy and where he's at in the world right now before, uh, El Goro went into the discussion of two films, one of which, uh, Steve had picked because he's a Patreon supporter. Uh, so hopefully you guys uh, checked out the conversation. It was a lot of fun. I um, tried my hardest not to do the thing that I do, which is I just kind of like roll over place and knock over shit, but it kind of started happening. So I apologize to Steve again for that, but it was still fun. Well, I should apologize because I also went in to try and not do the thing that I always do, which is sigh a lot, say the word like a lot, and then go, ah, uh, yeah, uh, when I'm trying to think of words. So, uh, I, I also failed at that. So, uh, I'm serious though, though, guys, I thought it was a fun discussion. I thought it was an important discussion. Hopefully you guys gave it a listen. Yeah. And what Steve doesn't know is that I'm going to take those three Oz, uh, from him in this recording, and then I'm going to use them whenever I patch over our edits now from here on out. <laughs> Cause you guys don't know, like we, you know, we strive to do things in one take, but since we've been, you know, in quarantine and, and lockdown and we have access to, to beverages, sometimes we have to stop. But I think, I think I do a pretty good job of uh, spackling over all uh, cuts and, um, you know, um, holes in the podcast. Yeah, I, I, it's pretty seamless. I, I listen back to the show and then I cringe at, uh, all the things that I said, but, uh, as far as the editing goes, that's top notch. You're like, the editing's pretty great. Everything I say, I don't know about no. Uh, so yeah, so we took a week off from that because that was uh, like an hour and 40 minute long conversation, which, uh, according to invasion of the podcast terms is about 20% of what we normally do, but still it was then death conversation. We took the week off. Hope you guys listen to that. Uh, so in the meantime, I will say, uh, other than, you know, this playing video games, because again, World of Warcraft has its hooks in me hard. Uh, the new expansion is announced to drop at the end of October. So now I'm doing a lot of things, uh, uh, um, that are going to be futile in like, you know, two months, but I'm still driven to do things because they're in front of me, but you know, it still goes. I want to say that, as much as we kind of uh, poo-pooed this when we talked about it being announced, 
I still have my CBS All Access uh, subscription because I've been watching the current season of The Twilight Zone for the other show that I do. Uh, but I've been watching Lower Decks just because, you know, it's been popping up, uh, the, mm-hmm. the Star Trek show. Um, not not the funniest thing in the world, but again, it's the first season of anything, so you got to give it time to kind of breathe. Um, it's not bad. It's certainly a breezy watch. And I will say this, though. It actually, it it it's definitely wedged into, like, the next generation, um, like, a Deep Space Nine Voyager, like, aesthetic and universe. So something about that is a bit more comfort food than even like Picard or Discovery. Interesting. Well, I mean, if it helps, it must be such a smash hit that I guess uh, uh, Fox is going to be doing a similar style cartoon with uh, the X-Files. So <laughs> sure. there I mean, you go. Now, I, I'm not making that up. That's no, no, real. I saw that story. You're right. <laughs> okay. no, there's um, there, like they um, they there's some references to some stuff like in terms of like the, you know, the greater star Trek universe. But I, but the thing is for like, like a half hour, like animated show or whatever, 24 minutes, they find a way to cram in like an actual, like, like almost next generation, like star Trek plot on top of everything. Like whether it is like a ship that is this older, like ancient ship that's full of this chemical that could create life with anything it touches. And then somehow it breaks free and starts like going all over like their starship and they have to figure out the problem and like the things going on with that. It's like, there's, there's some good, like, it, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's, it feels like Star Trek, but then every so often you get like some utterly ridiculous comedy in it. Um, like not ridiculous as in like laugh out loud, funny, but like, wow, that feels kind of disjointed. But at the same time for all the times we've seen memes and like super cuts of next generation stuff that went on, it's not all that far out. Um, I will say there was one of the characters, what's his name? Um, it's not Franklin. It's something like that. He's a, uh, he's part um, cyborg now. And he's one of the main cast. It's, it's one of those things too. It's like, do I know their names? I don't know. They're Star Trek people, but he doesn't know where he fits. Uh, so he goes to the different departments and every time he shows proficiency in the department, he isn't like interested. So he goes to the head person and was like, I don't know if I should be part of this. And then all of a sudden you get like the serious look on their face and they're like, Way to go, Ensign. You figured out that, you know, that this isn't the place for you. Good luck. Like, that's a very Star Trek thing of, like, there's no disappointment. There's just excitement for opportunity, no matter where you go. So that that's kind of funny. Like, the, whoever's writing this stuff, they kind of know what makes Star Trek work in the sense of, like, you could have conflict, but everybody's kind of on the same team. Yeah, I, I shouldn't poo-poo, uh, as you uh, said earlier, uh, the show. I mean, I, I remember... Uh, God, it was close to 20 years ago now. Uh, yeah, it was probably 20 years ago. Uh, I remember uh, being like, why does everybody think Family Guy is the greatest thing ever? And uh, I was proven wrong on that. I still don't think it's great, No, no, you but, weren't proven uh, wrong. You were proven very much right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, to each their own, I don't want to... You know, I used to spend a lot of time talking about things that I, I don't like. Uh, that was probably me in my 20s. So... Um, I'll say this, you know, if people are enjoying Lower Decks, I'm not going to bag on it. I just that first episode didn't make me want to tune in for more because they put it up on YouTube. I don't remember if we talked about this. We didn't on our yeah. last show or not. But, uh, yeah, they put a, the, the first episode up for free on YouTube. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And I was like, eh, it's OK. Well, it wasn't it, it, like I don't it, it remember gets, laughing at anything. Yeah, it was. 
it gets a little better like the main guy the the main guy you're following like the one that's like the strict rules based guy uh there's an episode that they they take a they take a brief statement that Scotty made in one of the Star Trek films about like I always like say it's going to take this long so when I come in at like you know half the time I look like a hero and so they refer I to that I feel like that's from a next generation episode maybe I think he's giving that advice to and I could be wrong, but uh, it's either to Data or to um, Jordy. Yeah, but and he, they, they start calling it a buffer time on the episode. So, like, all the, the lower decks people talk about the buffer time baked in. And then one of the higher-ups hears about it, so they eliminate buffer time. And you just see the entire starship just fall apart from everybody having to work, like, every single second of the day. Except for that one character that loves tasks. He's, like, in heaven. Like, it's it's actually, it's it's not bad. Like, it's... And then also you got um freaking uh, Jerry O'Connell being playing the guy who's second in command uh, to the captain, and he's pretty good at doing like the like almost like the Chris Pine like uh um you know Shatner like type of Kirk like archetype. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's even literally a point where he goes to fight a big monster, and all he ends up using is um he takes his hands together and closes his fingers together and makes like a club, and that's that's his only movement is the Shatner like double handed club move. The entire fight. It's really funny. Hmm. Yeah. It's, okay. it, yeah. So anyway, it's kind of won me over. It's like, it's, I mean, again, um, it, it, not what it, it's the, 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 the bar for clearance was, was really low, especially in that first episode. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's perfectly okay. And I'm, and it can only go up from where it is. But you can tell that its heart is firmly in like next generation, which is kind of, kind of my jam. And I'm all for them moving forward. Uh, so, which is kind of weird now because they've sort of abandoned that whole Kelvin universe idea, right? There's just the three Star Trek movies that are in that pocket universe at this point, right? I guess, yeah, because I mean, I know Discovery. It's supposed to be in the prime universe, but I don't, it's just whatever. That's a whole, like, and now they're going to the future, like a thousand years beyond the, the prime you know, timeline. So I don't have any idea what's going on. So yeah, I think the Kelvin stuff is kind of to the wayside right now. Okay. So, I mean, the, the, cause we talked about that with Picard. It was nice to see them yeah. uh, moving back into the future. So yeah, I, I, I don't begrudge them, uh, anything uh when it comes to their what they want to do with star trek i do wonder if they're pushing a little too hard with it at this point how many shows are there now well so you got discovery season three coming out which by the way they're actually going to put that on broadcast and uh which is interesting to me because it's basically cbs everything they don't have enough content for broadcast because of the pandemic but that's also exciting because you actually got broadcast like star trek again uh so season so you got um discovery picard lower decks They've announced um, another show, at least, that's going to be a spinoff of um, uh, of a Discovery that's going to be Spock and um, Pike and uh, Number One, which is going to be played by Rebecca Romaine because she was in um, Discovery for a half second. So you got that as well. Um, and I think there might be another one being discussed. Yeah, I, I guess it makes sense if that's your big property, I guess. Well, I mean, I don't whatever. Know of like, another big CBS property. I mean, obviously there's the Twilight Zone, but I, I don't know. I don't know what else they have. Hawaii Five O. Aren't there like twelve of those? <laughs> yeah, they'll be like coming up next. Hawaii Five One. You know, uh, <laughs> or they'll do the prequel series. Hawaii Hawaii Zero Zero. They go back. <laughs> Hawaii. They, 
they go they go back before you know white people showed up and took over the island it's just going to be the people there solving their own crimes before they're like hey and the series is going to end with hey what do you see ships in the distance that's going to be the end of the series <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, it's original. <laughs> and somehow they're still going to cast white people in the leads for that show. I don't even know how that's going to happen, but they're going to do it. Uh, no, but like, you know, again, like it's we just we just got word today that the Mandalorian season two is coming out at the end of October, which is exciting. Um, so if again, if Disney is going to focus more on like doing like more smaller, like you know, smaller affair, Star Wars stuff, that's fine. And if CBS is like, this is the thing that we can kind of lean on, I'm okay with that too. I mean, maybe not every project's going to appeal to me, but I'm a fan of Star Trek. So cool, bring it, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, I think, I'm mean, I I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Point. Oh, no, I, I, sorry, I just interrupted you. I feel like there was a point where Deep Space Nine, Voyager, no, I think Next Generation was off by that point. So I was going to say that all, there were three series on the air, but no, that's incorrect. So I had to correct myself. Well, yeah, but even that was like, with the exception of Voyager being um, primetime, those other were all syndicated, right? And then, yeah. um, so, um, I mean, I think that fandom, and I'm starting to hate that word. I'm starting to hate, like, I, that, I don't know what it is. There's certain things I'm just like that you hear the word fandom or like different fandoms as if like they're different kingdoms where it's like, come visit Star Trek fandom. Oh, oh, you're a fan of the Star Wars. You're welcome here. But no space swords are allowed. Um, I, I think that the people absorbing all this are starting to get more sophisticated that they, they, you could have these like different splinters of, genre, of the same like genre. And that people can fold them together and you know, they can accept things and not accept things. I think because like you and I grew up reading comics and you would see like, you know, your serious books and then you get like, what the for Marvel, you know, like it's okay to poke fun and go different directions. And even with that even being said, I know um, Disney plus is going to put out that what if animated series eventually, which I'm excited for. So, I mean, I, you know, CBS, if you want to keep back in Star Trek projects, Cool. Um, I'm still subbed in. Just please renew Star Star Trek. Please renew Twilight Zone for a third season because the second season was a hell of a lot stronger. Um, that's all I'm asking for. Um, and I'll keep giving you my money if I get a third season. Um, but yeah, why not? Like, what, what do you got to lose? $10 a month. That's fair. So, all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's, I've been watching that. That was kind of my thing um, here and there in between, you know, life and i also forgot to mention hope uh i hope people enjoyed our discussion about perfect blue uh, i know that i i fawned over it uh last last time we had a show and i know steve dug it i hope people sought out that movie in the meantime i meant to mention at the beginning of the episode um but i'd forgotten because i was like i'm gonna talk about something else animated then let's get to let's get to the stuff where people lose eyeballs how about that i hope i hope people actually enjoy the conversation i hope that made you guys seek out the film um yeah that, anyway forgot to mention that but yeah that's been um where I've been, you know, this, as much as things have been the same day in, day out, because I'm still trying to be a responsible individual, not like, you know, go out and do things, which I don't know about you, but I'm seeing a lot of like friends that like you just see in life, they're like hanging out with some friends. And like, I'm like, like anytime I see like pictures of like anybody hugging each other now, I get just inherently terrified. I don't like why, why? Like, I understand that it's the fear of like this, this virus and the pandemic, 
but it's just, it's a weird world that if someone's like this time last year and you see like sports gatherings of like arenas full of people and I'm just like, <gasps> like, it just terrifies me now, you know, like, it, so I'm just like, I'm just staying in my house and I'll pet my cats. Maybe, you know? Yeah. I, every time I see a photo of like people like, Oh, I, you know, hung out with so-and-so or we're doing this. I'm like, that's an old photo, right? Like that's the first thing that pops in my mind is, is that's, that can't be right now, right? Like they're not wearing masks and they're touching. Um, but uh, the other thing that I was going to say on, on that is, is uh, um, not only is it the mask, like proximity, you know, getting together, having gatherings, but I went into work for the first time since I got sent home from the pandemic. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I was able to, be able to have my position moved to work from home mm-hmm. uh, during the pandemic. And I had to go, go in for a training and there uh, the offices are probably like less than 50% of people who are now reporting to the office slash um, people who were working from home previously. And uh, it was, it was weird going in there, but the entire time that I was there, I was just like, eyeballing everyone where I'm just like, is this mask on properly? Is that guy's mask on properly? <laughs> uh, you know, don't get too close to me. Like, cause we, you know, it was like four of us and we're all in one room and we're training and I'm trying to like keep my distance, but I'm also like trying to not be weird about it. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it, it was just an awkward place to be put in. And I, I admit that, my wife and I are very fortunate that right now we can both work from home and we very rarely do either of us go out of the house um, other than for necessities. So uh, I, I realize not everybody has afforded that uh, luxury and we're very lucky in that res- respect, but uh, it has built into me. Like I just looking at everybody, I'm like, you know, I, I guess it's it's everybody's probably doing it or maybe they're not. And I'm just, uh, you know, uh, I was going to say paranoid, but I, I don't know that I am. Well, so, so. Here, I'll tell you this, too. Like I um, I, I, I told you a little before we started recording. I, I yesterday, Tuesday, I was recording this on a Wednesday, uh, you know, followed by a Thursday, then a Friday. You know how the week, the, day, the days of the week go. Um, I, you know, also we're 20 minutes in. We're going to be talking about Bill and Ted 3. I know we said at the intro, but, you know, just. We're talking about Bill and 10 three. Uh, anyway, yesterday I was on the road for roughly seven plus hours driving back to my hometown to take care of some uh, family business and then to drive back immediately. However, um, I had my mask on whatever, when I went to go deal with the, 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 the county official I was dealing with, um, they had a security guard there, uh, which by the way, I walked through like the area and the one, there was a lady at the desk. She's like, Oh no, you got to wait for the security guard. I'm like, there's nobody here. And it's like, Oh, he must've cause I was walking down a set of steps and he must've gotten the elevator. It's like, Oh, well this is secure. Like, you know, he's just gone for a second and then a metal detector and a little bucket to put all your stuff in. I was like, Oh, I'd have to I'm take like, what is it? The airport. But anyway, um, I had to wait for him. And so he could do like the, um, the remote temperature testing on my forehead. And you know, I passed, you know, a plus is what they said. I don't know what that means. And he handed me a little laminated card to go in and talk to the person you talk to. While I was talking to her, 
a second person who had to show up as part of the business meeting for what I was doing. This makes it sound like I was doing important things. I was sitting there in cargo shorts and a jaw shirt and a Jason half mask. That's cloth. I, clearly I was an adult. Uh, anyway, um, while we're waiting for the second person to show up, she comes in and sits down directly beside me. There's chairs like side by side. Uh, the, there's a table in front of us. And then it's like six feet between the chairs and the desk where the person who operates in that office is sitting and they have glass up like plexiglass and that's fine. But the person that comes in sits down beside me and she, she has a mask on, but like, uh, the other lady was like, well, what took you so long to get here? She's like, Oh, like they took my temperature three times. They said it was high, but you know, it turned out I was okay. And I'm like, why the hell are you sitting beside me? You know, like she sits down. She's like, I passed the third time. I'm like, that's three times too many. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would have freaked me out. Oh, I, I freaked out. I wanted to, I wanted to grab the chair and just like edge it over, but I'm like, I just like what well, you know what <laughs> the death of me, Steve, is gonna be me being too polite in public to do anything. That's gonna be the death of me. That sounds accurate. <laughs> I, I feel like I I can relate to that. We'll put it that way. It's like, Paul, this person is just, you know. They're emanating radiation. I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to say anything. <laughs> I don't want to be rude. It's like as my arm falls off, it's like, well, yeah, but then they would have looked at me weird. You know, like it would have been like, <laughs> yeah, so that happened. Um, but right before that, though, uh, one of my friends in my hometown who's, who is, you know, good person, known him for, like, obviously we went to high school together. He was a year behind me. Good dad. Awesome dude. He is a beer connoisseur and I messaged him the night before and I was like, Hey, I'm coming down for like a half second. What do you like? Do you want anything? And he's like, Oh, find me something interesting. So I found two Cleveland beers and I just, and I come down and I realized that my timing was off. Like I had to be in this office in like six minutes. He met me down there. I haven't seen him in probably five years. And I'm like, Hey, how's it going? Here's some beer. Gotta go. Like, and he's like, Oh, okay. He's like, how much do you? I'm like, don't worry about it. And I'm like grabbing my papers and my mask. I'm running away. He's like, it's good seeing you. I was like, yeah, this is kind of like a smoking the bandit thing. And I just ran away. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that was, it was a weird day, um, to say the least. Uh, but yeah, it's like I had, I did a beer run, ran down, downstairs, this office, uh, sat beside a lady that like failed a temperature test the first two times, first two times. It's been, it's been a weird 24 hours. Let's just put it that way. And I'm going to open a beverage. So, yeah. <laughs> I think if you fail twice, that should be it. Yeah. I, I, I think yes, I, I do. I, I guess I, I understand if you're like, we're going to do it once. And, you know, uh, maybe there's something wrong with the battery or, you know, it's not reading correctly. Let's try it a second time. I get that. All right. That's fair. You failed twice. I think that's it. I don't think yeah, you get a third. I know. And, and to top me. it off, the top it off after the, like the lady, uh, she was in the office for a second and she, uh, I was dealing with like, I, I've, I've talked about this show. My, my father passed back in the spring and I was dealing with some of his things and I had to like give a lot of information. And then she's like, Oh yeah. She's like, I knew your dad. She's like, and I know your mom too. And then she just leaves the room with, I'm just like, what do I do with that information? Like, you know, my parents, like, what do I do with that? Like she left before I could be like, yeah, now you know why I live in Cleveland. Like I didn't even get a chance to even get to that. It was like, 
thanks. And every, like the, per, the, the, the county person I was dealing with knew my dad, this lady knew my parents. Um, I had to then go to local banks to see about different information. And I was at a drive through handing over information. The, the one bank teller was like, Oh yeah. Like I knew your dad. I, you know, we loved him here. And she, and she says to me, she's like, you may not remember, but we grew up together. And I just looked at her. And I was like sitting in my car, sweaty with the mask pulled down because I was at a drive through, you know, like a drive in the bank, just like mm-hmm. exhausted. And I'm like, you know, I, I want to get out of here. And I, I just looked at her. I was like, I don't remember anybody anymore. Like, I don't know what to say about that. Like, I don't know what to say. And I'm like, every person was like, yeah, I knew your dad. And it's like, great. Can you? Like, good. I'm glad that he was a good guy. Great. Can like, and they're like, I remember you too. And I'm like, I sure as hell don't remember you. I'm sorry. Like, it was just a weird day. Yeah. That's always weird. Whenever, uh, you run into people from your hometown and they're like, Hey, remember me? No. Well, like, so <laughs> not to, not to drag this episode out long, but Hey, that's what we do here. Um, you're, you're not that far away from where you went to high school from. Correct. That's correct. I'm like 40 minutes away at that. So how often do you get those weird, like, Oh yeah, we went. And also what was, what was the, the, the size of your graduating class? There were over a hundred. I'm going to say, I don't know, maybe like 115. Okay. Maybe but, 120. I, I, I could be wrong. It, but, it could have been like, you know, 12. But did you, uh, it could have been 12. It could have, could have just been me. I don't even know. Um, no, but, uh, like, so, but you, there's multiple high schools in that County though. Right. Like that's, you know, right. Like depending upon where you live or, or I don't uh, I mean. So there's Sandusky high school, there's St. Mary's, which is a Catholic school. And then there's a uh, Perkins, okay. uh, Perkins township is within Sandusky. We'll put it that way. I thought you were talking about Perkins, like the diner, like, like people went to school there, you know? All right. Um, <laughs> No, like not quite. Where where I went to 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 where I grew up, we all had one high school in the county. I was like one of one thirty four graduating, but I live you know three plus hours away. So for me to run into anybody I went to high school with is like you know that doesn't happen. You know, so anytime I go home, like there was a time a couple of years ago, I, I walked into a Walmart and I was walking around and someone was like, Hey Paul, how's it going? I'm just like, what? Like, Because <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, there's people I went to high school with that I, that I still talk to that I like. It's just that like everybody else has been kind of scrubbed out. And I mean, I'm not saying that I dislike these people. It's just, they've been scrubbed out of my head. Like it's been, you know what I graduated in 96. It's been a while. Right. So, but at the Walmart, it was weird. She's like, Oh, Hey, uh, you know, whatever. And then she's talking to me and, 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 um, I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good. And she's like, I have like over like a thousand DVDs or whatever. I'm like, that's pretty good. And I'm just like, I'm going to go now. Like, <laughs> it was like a weird thing. <laughs> and then, and then she's like, telling me all the stuff about like all these other people that I went to school with. And I was like, yeah, you know, you know, if I'm the one that got away and no one talks about that's fine. She's like, no, nah, we talk about you all the time. I'm like, great. It's like, like, what, what are you talking about? Like, you know, to say, to say yeah. I have a, I have a complicated relationship with my uh, growing up in my hometown would be to put it mildly. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think I was pretty much the same way now as I, I was then in the sense of like, you know, I had some, really close friends and that was it. Like I was a sociable person, but I, I, I was actually probably more sociable in high school than I am now. But, um, you know, I, I, people tend to remember me more than I do them and I feel awful for it. 
Um, well, but because uh, you know, you're I've a celebrity, a you're like, hey, and I'm like, um, you're hey, a minor celebrity. You're a minor celebrity. You've, you've you're self published. You know, comic book artist. Why would you need to remember anybody with the high school with? They're all small time. Yeah, that's not the case at all. And actually, we'll, well, we could talk a little bit about uh, getting into your 40s, uh, heading towards your 50s, and not having done anything with your life once we get to the movie. But... <laughs> oh, gosh. I've, I, you know, I thought about the thematic appropriateness to... of that while I was driving around yesterday. I'm like, oh, yeah, the past, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Tapped a bit of a nerve, so we'll we'll talk about about that when we get to the movie. Fair enough. So yeah, enough enough of us talking about that stuff. Uh, let's yeah, let's just get to let's just get to some news. Good news, everyone. So not really good news, actually. Why would I even play that here? I'm just going to throw throw one of these in here. Hooray! Hooray denied. So the, the the big the big news is uh the like the bombshell that dropped just a couple days ago is that uh Chadwick Boseman just just passed away at, like with because he had was it a four or five year battle with cancer that no one knew about and this like whatever reason this just like hit like a sledgehammer it was Friday night I think when the news came out and um. This bothers me. It bothers me a great deal just because one young dude and like I've heard nothing but positive things about him comes out of nowhere like for us news wise and also like in hindsight now knowing how much he put himself through to do the things he did while battling the things that he did without telling anybody it just is amazing inspiring and also heartbreaking. Yeah this year has has obviously been a huge shit show and it just feels like oh it can't get worse it can't get worse and then it does it's like and uh, yesterday I, says I hold my beer or, sorry tomorrow says hold my beer <laughs> yeah. exactly and and what's funny about it is uh, not funny ironic uh not funny ironic either um but and we'll get about get into this again uh when we're talking about the film but like 2020 has just been so awful that uh friday night I was excited to sit down. We got pizza, had some beer. It was like, I get to sit down and watch Bill and Ted and just for an hour and a half escape 2020. And it was a nice escape. And I was very content. And then I swear not five minutes later, I like Facebook is just blowing up and like, and I think, I think, uh, El Goro's post is the first one that I saw. And I was like, are, are you kidding me? Like, was he hit by a car? Was there some sort of freak accident? Like, I, I was dumbfounded to know that, A, that he was even sick. But um, y- you hear that, and you're like, he's 43, and you're like, had to have been, like, a, a freak accident. Had to have been something like that. And just turns out the guy had been sick for four or five years. And uh, it, it, it was just, it, it was sobering. Uh, we'll put it that way on, on a Friday night where you're just like, I was finally like, you know, I enjoyed the movie. I, I was in a good place and it was like 2020 just showed up to be like, Oh, Hey, by the way, we're still here. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I shouldn't laugh about that, but yeah, it's kind of where I was too. Like, so like, you know, obviously you did, you know, Captain America civil war, black Panther, and then infinity war parts one and two, um, I mean, and also he did other films in the meantime. I'm not discrediting anything he had done. It's just, this is one of those guys that, you know, 
was just going up, you know, and it sucks. It sucks. And the article I saw here <clears throat> when I was trying to find more information about this is it was the, here's the headline. I'm going to read the headline to you. I don't know this might be clickbait, but it's from the Hollywood reporter. Disney grapples with how to proceed on black Panther without Bozeman, Chadwick Bozeman. Cause I, I guess that like even the Disney higher ups didn't know about this, which good on, you know, Chadwick to actually, if he wanted to keep this private, like a handful of people knew about it. Um, and, and the article goes into more about like, you know, everybody like is warning him, but also like, there's the question of like, what do you do? Um, my, like, I think that like, if, it, you know, I think the way that you do this is one, you know, you can't recreate that, but also like, this is, this is the, the perfect time to bring in the character of Shiri as the black Panther, which I, I guess I was reading per the comics. She was, or has been. So I don't understand why there's a debate about this. Yeah, I, I don't have an issue with, with that either, other than I'm wondering if they just start off with T'Challa being gone or if, you know, I, the one the one comment I had made on somebody had posted on Facebook uh, about Shuri taking over was, is like, I'm absolutely for it. I, I think it would be a smart move. I'm like, I imagine that probably A, um, Oh, uh, the writer's director's name is I'm blanking on right now. Um, oh, uh, um, Coogler, Ryan Coogler. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that right, right now, if he knew or he didn't know, I don't, you know, can't say, but I'm sure that he's tried trying to figure out like where to go with this story now, but also just dealing with like losing somebody that he was probably close with. Oh yeah, for and, sure. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I said, uh, I said if, if they do, decide to go with that if they don't recast or, you know, they do say that he passed away. I, I can't imagine the the scene at the end of Endgame where we're at Tony Stark's funeral spoilers. I'm like, that should, there should be something of that. Um, oh yeah. Sort of, no, there should be that, like, that magnitude like that. Yeah. Like. Every MCU character should be in a, a funeral scene for him. It should be that important. Yeah, and, within and, the universe, if they kill his character off, and and you know, like, forgive me, this is going to sound maybe tactless, um, and it's not my intent. But even if you start off the movie with T'Challa being like, as much as the you know the heart shaped herb gave him all this stuff, you know, like even if it's the same thing, it's like you know, you can be you could be a superhero, but you know you're still human. You know, like even if they acknowledge. Like the king is gone because the one thing that he couldn't fight was within himself. And then you, the mantle's passed and you have this amazing, amazing like sequence. I, you know, I don't think that, um, I don't think that tarnishes, uh, Chadwick or the character, you know, like, and I, and I, and I, I even feel like I should have been like, how does the show go on? How does the movie go on? That, that that's, that's was the question in the article. I mean, this is a man that died too young to a terrible thing. That's, that's the yeah. truth of it. And I have never heard a negative thing about him. Like one of, one of my uh, coworkers um, actually posted something because there was that uh, movie that filmed here in Cleveland a few years ago, draft day that involved like the, the Browns, like, you know, picking a, like Kevin Costner was the coach or whatever. Like, I, you know, if he still wants to be coach, it's fine. It's, come on. It's fine. We need you. But Chadwick Boseman was one of the characters in that movie. And the, the person was sharing a story about how, uh, he, cause they, they brought in some like local, like high school and college guys as extras, uh, to help. Uh, and they taught him some like pass rushing things. 
and he told told the story about how like they're walking off the field and uh and Chadwick was asking you know, like you know about places to go places of interest and in and, and my friend was like you know he's the actor he didn't need to give us the time of day but he was nice and genuine and took everything and was it like you know basically like he was a human being wanted to learn and had like had a good shooting experience here in Cleveland and that's that's the stories that you want to you know not want to hear but just validate that he was a good guy and this is horrible. Yeah. The the other thing that I was thinking about and uh, I guess being the age that I am, I was fortunate enough that uh, I don't remember. I, I don't believe any of my childhood heroes died when I was a child. Um, I, I remember hearing quite a bit of uh, a talk when, uh, well, I shouldn't say like I was there, but um, they a, a lot of people will often talk about when uh, George Reeves uh, was killed, uh, who played Superman, and how that like shook kids to their core. Um, I was wondering that about you know kids who see themselves being represented by Black Panther, and now he's gone. Like the character still exists, obviously, and. Um, I it was two years ago, I think, when we reviewed it, guys. But the Reggie Hudlin collection of Black Panther is amazing stuff. Yes. Uh, so if you're looking for uh, more Black Panther, please go read, go go check that stuff out. But I I, I I can't help but feel like you know, God, that's that's got to be so sad for you know little kids who have to you know. <laughs> Yeah, I ha- finally have something, some representation, and I, I realize Miles Morales is there as well. But it, it just it, it it makes me think of that that comparison of like what it must be like to lose your childhood hero when you're a child. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, no, you're my right. childhood hero hero is still kicking around. You know, Mark Hamill's not going anywhere, thankfully. So um, I'm lucky in that respect. But I don't know. I, I just I felt bad for little kids. Yeah, as well. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like I, I think, uh, but there, but you mentioned Miles Morales. I think of uh, in the Spider Verse where he's like, anybody can wear the mask. Anybody can be the hero. Like, that's the message, right? So, but yeah, it's it's a bummer. It's a bummer. That's why I said 2020. Like, I I do get tired of the like this year can go screw itself. Like 2016. Like everyone's like, it's the worst year ever. It's like, well, I mean, you know, 2020 was waiting in the wings to be like, you know, it's, it was like, you know, doing the Mr. Burns with its fingers. Like, <laughs> um, and it's like, you know, and, and I understand that it's more like an overview, but it's like, I got married that year. Like it was like, one of those things where it's like, it was, a, you know, I had a pretty good year and it's like, and I understand that's just me. I'm not going to tell everybody 2016 was not a bad year. Like, but it's like, like there's bits to take out of stuff, but like 2020 has been like, just haymaker after haymaker and this is the one i think this like all things considered and the timing of it it's like you got to be kidding me you know and it just sucks so but i figured it was worthy of our time to talk about it like briefly yeah i i didn't you'd ask me if i had any stories that i wanted to talk about i'm like i don't have anything that i'm you know desperately in need to talk about but it just wouldn't have felt right to do this show and and not mention it particularly for all the everything that we cover and all the discussions that we, we have about this type of material, I think, and, and, and just that he was an important figure. I think, uh, yeah. we needed to address it. Yeah. So, uh, next story here, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a blend here. Um, it, it's more like, so this week we're going to be talking about Bill and Ted face the music. It did show in theaters, but it was also VOD. Uh, but 
like they talked about like the new mutants and it's it's what it pulled in for like the weekend and i think it made like eight million or something um and i know um next week i think tenet comes out in the theaters here um how comfortable are you with the theater going experience right now uh not uh, have we have you listened to our conversation so far i'm not stepping back into a theater uh at least not for a while yeah I I just <laughs> a movie theater experience can be ruined by somebody just you know uh, talking throughout it. Let alone like people coughing, not obeying rules, you know, taking their mask off. Like I, I I'm just not comfortable with that idea at all. So so I don't know if you saw like a couple people uh, shared. Um, there there's that uh, letterbox that I know you and I are both part of. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think I updated it recently. It's just, it's one of those things. It's like, I'm like, oh yeah, I did watch that. But someone, uh, someone shared their review of the new mutants. They gave it one star and they said, my friend coughed in the theater. And those few seconds were more tense and cinematic than anything else. This film has to offer. It's like, oh, like that's funny, but kind of not, but also kind of funny still. Um, so I'll say that I, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm dying like not, not literally for a theater experience. And I know I've been kicking around the idea. Um, and you can tell me the pros and cons of this, and it's probably not a good idea, but theaters are desperate for business and you can book private viewings of films, uh, right now. And I've been like considering like my, like our, both of our birthdays in October, I've been considering like booking a a theater private and inviting like three or four other people. And that's it. And we all space out and just watch a movie, like space out as in like physically, not mentally, you know, and just watch <laughs> uh, and just watch a movie in the theater. Like, I think I could pay the premium for that just to have that for my birthday. But I think that's about as far as I would go with a controlled environment. I do wonder about that, um, at least as far as like being able to pick a film, because uh, isn't it illegal for them to just you can't just pick any film right like well i mean i believe the cleveland cinemas like you can like present them with like what you want to watch however like i was looking at like amc um and they have like a list of like like current films and also other films uh like one of them's like the goonies like oh okay but so they have a list of what they can show but they but like the cleveland cinemas i think just because since you're paying for a private viewing and you're paying just for the space I don't, I think the lines for that get a little less clear. Um, and since they're an independent theater chain and they don't have to necessarily go like, you know, I think they operate a little differently. I think we could uh, say, cause I, you know, like what would I want for my birthday? Do I want to punish those that I know with like Miami connection or uh, dangerous <laughs> men in the theater? Like what do like, or, you know, or even like, you know, like, do I want to take my DVD copy of Rad and be like, we're going to watch this in a goddamn theater. It's going to be amazing. You know, like what I think you can do that, um, especially considering that they show a lot of like weird stuff for their free movies when they do the announcements for their midnight showings. Um, mm-hmm. I think because you're paying for a private event, I think you then have the right because it's not like you're opening it up to the public for the make money off of, I think it's because you're paying for the privilege of screening something separately. I think that's how that works. I guess that's fair. Yeah. So that's about where I'm at with that, where it's like, yeah, I think it'd be fun to go to a movie theater and see something on the big screen that I've never seen before, but I don't trust people that unless I know them type of thing. So it's going to be a long time. 
it's going to be a very long time before I feel comfortable going into any any place that's not an essential business, which I know you've been to Carol John's and supporting them, and, and we should. Um, I just have not been to a place outside of a gas station or a supermarket that um, I like. Even then, I feel apprehensive. You know. Yeah, um, I I, uh, I think that uh, this weekend uh, I may try and. Uh, go out a little bit and because uh, there's a, a record exchange over by me although i guess they're just called the exchange now. nobody calls them the record exchange the eight track exchange my, the eight track exchange that's what they call it showing my age um that uh, uh moved into a new building and looks like a bigger space and i'm just like oh you know what i haven't actually like physically walked in the store and just looked at like movies <laughs> you know what i mean like I haven't actually like gone and looked for things in a very long time. I'm like, that might be nice to just get out for like an hour or so and go do that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I need to make a return trip to Carolyn John's cause that was almost two months ago now, I think since I went, so mm-hmm. maybe a month and a half, but yeah, well, I mean, look, there are people who are going to make the argument, oh, you're just living your life in fear. Well, yeah, I guess. But if fear of death, I don't know. It's not like fear of the Babadook. Like, I don't understand. (laughs) Like, um, (laughs) like, I don't understand that. It's like, oh, you're living your life in fear. It's like, yeah, I don't think the Loch Ness monster is going to come get me. So I'm okay there. But it's like, oh, it's this virus that we don't quite understand that uh, seems to be having like these. Like you, you see the stories of people like having these long hauler effects, like that, mm-hmm. the stuff they just can't shake it. And then like, um, like I, I know somebody that actually has this right now where they're feeling better now, but they're like, am I two weeks away from working failure? I don't know. It's like, yeah, I don't know either. You know, like I, I literally set like a foot away from somebody. It's like, yeah, I took my temperature three times. I'm fine. I don't know. Like, you know, <laughs> if this is my last podcast, I'm sorry, guys, you know, we could have done better, but. I tried, you know, but I, but I'm still living in fear. Like if I could have coated my car in like, um, like, you know, hand sanitizer, I would have, like, I would have, you know, I would have like coated myself like and complete, like, you know, I would have, if I had a spacesuit, I would have wore a spacesuit. I am like, I, the joke was like, I was telling somebody, I was like, I should wear my Halloween costume. Like one of my Halloween costumes now, like my, uh, professor chaos, just to make sure people stay away from me just because they'd be like, who's that guy wearing a cape? No, no, nothing good comes from someone wearing a cape out in public, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I get it, man. Like, I don't think it's living in fear. I think it's living in responsibility. I think there's a difference there. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I just, uh, I tried to respond to that, that idea of living in fear. Cause we, we heard a lot about that, you know, in nine, after nine 11 as well. Um, and, uh, you know, don't live in fear, that kind of thing. And I, I, I guess also the fact that, you know, I think we've mentioned this before. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty, like, I'm pretty comfortable at home. Like I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm I, not somebody who needs to be out and I'm like, an indoor kid. Having, yeah. <laughs> so it, it really hasn't been rough on me in that respect. So, um, but I, I do want to at least get out and, you know, live a little bit, but, uh, not if it's at the cost of, you know, potentially contracting a virus and dying. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, just do come on, come on. New mutants is worth it. Right. Uh, um, so 
yeah, I don't know. It's just, man, like as much as like I'm, I'm fiending for like that experience. I'm also feeding because I'm like, Oh, you're still alive. So you actually have withdrawal experiences as opposed to being dead and having none. So, um, whatever, maybe people can say that I'm being like, you know, uh, like overly dramatic, but whenever, you know, I just going back home to West Virginia, it just taught me that it's like, you know, like you're not being overly dramatic. People are, if they're not taking things seriously, it's only going to drag this out further. Um, and yeah, that's where we're at. So it bums me out. Like at least you've been to the drive-in, um, and done some of that. Like I need to figure out like that could work for my wife and I, uh, cause for a while there, uh, we didn't have a car with a working air conditioner. So that would have been a hellscape to sit in there and be like, this movie's amazing. Sweat, 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 you know, like that'd have been bad. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, that they do their, uh, the, the drive-in that is, does their retro horror weekend again this year. Uh, they've done it the last, I don't know how many years. Uh, so I'm assuming they, they would, um, I'm hoping that they do that again. I would like to still be able to make it to the theater and see a couple other things before the drive-in theater. That is, um, but uh, uh, I'm not in a rush to head back to the, the actual theater. Fair enough. All right. So, all right. Last story here. Um, here's the headline. This is from IGN.com, but you may have seen this in other outlets. FBI investigating pilots reports of mysterious jetpack man. Have you? Did you see the stories for this earlier today? Apparently not. Okay, no. So I let me read this, say. and you're gonna. This is gonna blow your mind. Uh, the FBI is investigating multiple sightings from commercial airline pilots of a man flying in a jetpack near Los Angeles International Airport last Sunday night. An American Airlines pilot radioed the control tower LAX to report that a man in a jetpack was flying off to the left-hand side of their aircraft at about the same altitude as the plane. The plane was at 3,000 feet and 10 miles out from landing. Quote Tower. American uh, 1997. We just passed a guy in a jetpack. <laughs> a second what? pilot with JetBlue Airways also radioed a report of a sighting of a man in a jetpack. Okay. Is is this a prank? Is it real? Like so. So here, here's here. Like, let me read further here. Uh, the LA Times quoted an FBI spokesperson as saying the bureau is looking into reports made by the pilots. There's no word yet whether the suspect is a Mandalorian, a rocketeer, or just a suave British secret agent. <laughs> That's IGN just adding their snark, right? Um, they, they they wrote it all serious though. If this guy was obstructing the path of incoming flights, then he will likely be charged for endangering aircraft. Like, yeah, I think so. Um, and it, it says here, it should be noted that many aerospace and defense industry companies are situated in El Segundo, which is close to LAX. Uh, it could have been one of their R&D projects or maybe someone wealthy and crazy enough to own their own jetpack. So, yeah, um, you know, we have a jetpack man uh, flying near planes uh, out, out and about. I think it's very appropriate for invasion to talk about a jetpack man. Yeah, I'm just... I, I guess in my brain, I'm, I'm just trying to comprehend. I'm like, well, if it is a human, can they, you know, fly at that height? And, you know, do they need an oxygen tank? Do they tank? Do they need, uh, you know, would it be too cold at that, that, uh, that altitude? So my brain is automatically like, you know, thinking of like an Iron Man when he goes too high in the first one and uh, has to uh, figure out how to compensate for the icing issue. <laughs> and I realized that this is not what happens at all, but 
my brain, I just automatically go to, you know, whatever the, the closest filmic experience I can think of uh, to try and rationalize what it could be. It just, no, it makes me think of the Rocketeer whenever he, like, you know, like the first time he's, like, up near an airplane and someone looks out and he goes to, like, turn his head to look look at him, but he has that runner on his helmet and it causes mm-hmm. him to go wildly out of control. It just makes me wonder what happened, you know? Um, yeah, I, this is, I mean, Yes, this person maybe shouldn't be flying around aircraft. That that's a bad thing. Um, but I also kind of am excited for a rocket man just being out there. I think that's kind of cool. Um, only if he can use his powers for good and stop crimes like after and be like, "I'm a rocket guy." It's like, yeah, but this is a mugging. He's like, I don't know. Watch me go three thousand feet in the air. That's going to make everybody look up in the air. Maybe that person can run away. I don't know. Yeah. Or they're dead. One of the two. <laughs> I mean, if you can get to 3,000 feet of the rock pack, I'm going to guess that you could probably get to 1,500 feet with another person you're holding on to, and you could just drop them, right? Like, that's, I mean, if, if they're being a jerk and they're causing crimes, then just, you know, if you're like, ah, look at me, I got my jet pack, I guess I'm going to go, I mean, you know, I think you can go 1,500 feet, I'm talking like 100 feet in the air, you can just splat them on the concrete. Like, you don't have to have combat expertise to operate a jet pack to drop people. That's what I'm saying. That's not a good way to approach life, but that's just my statement. I don't know, I'm seeing a world now where everybody has a jet pack. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, we'll have to add an amendment to the Constitution in which everyone has the right to a jet pack. Yeah. Yeah, it would be called Amendment uh, 2A, you know, like, like <laughs> no, I just, I, like, I know that there's people out there that do like, um, that do like the, not vigilante, that's not the right word, because there's people out there right now operating on their own with guns, and that's bad, and they're, they are legitimately criminals, uh, but there's people that will dress up and like patrol streets and try to be a presence, I know that does happen, uh, I, that sounds like I'm trying not to give away my nighttime activities, but you guys don't even know. Um, but yeah, just a jetpack guy. Like, uh, did you, did you watch the Watchmen TV series or no? No, I haven't yet. Um, it's, it's on my list and I keep hearing, you know, uh, that it's a must watch. It is. There's just a guy that shows up for one scene. It looks like this guy wearing all silver and he just coats himself on lubricant and runs away and then slides into a, like a, a storm drain that people call him lube man. It's like, as long as lube man's out there doing his thing, I'm okay with that. As long as rocket man's not actually endangering flights, I'm okay with that too. You had me at lube man. I, I couldn't <laughs> think of, I'm like, I know he wants me to talk. Yeah. I, I got <laughs> oh, the slide is some justice, you know? Anyway, so, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I just, I just thought you would appreciate that. There might be a real life, uh, superhero out there. We don't know. Um, so, all right. Yeah, that's going to do it for our news. Uh, now we're going to get on to our discussion about Bill and Ted face the music. Uh, you know what? You know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to throw the spoiler warning out first before we get to the feature button, uh, feature presentation, because if you guys have not seen this movie, I feel bad because Steve and I are not articulate enough to dance around plot points. Watch the film. It's a delight. Um, is it perfect? No. Are any of these movies perfect? No, but I don't want to ruin it. Ruin there's some bits in here that made me laugh out loud watching it by myself. So I don't want to ruin it for anybody. So I'm going to throw these out here and then we'll get into the discussion. Do you know why they are called spoilers? 
And now for our feature presentation. And I'm going to use a Steve side to cover up that sweet edit that's about to happen between these two parts. Here, <laughs> no, that's not true. Uh, I mean, I mean, the edit is real, but there's no sign involved. Um, that's another good thing about having like you know audio bumpers between segments. You're like, you know what? Do we need to stop for a second? We can do that. Um, so. We're going to be now talking about Bill and Ted Face the Music, which is the third film of the Bill and Ted um, series. Um, I, I guess where we need to start with this would be um, where we were with both um, the Bill and Ted movies to this point before Face the Music. So, Steve, um, I think that you had a bigger relationship with these films than I did. So where were you with these first two? Uh, the first two are classics, in my opinion. Uh, I love both of them. I, I feel like it was probably within the last five years that I had revisited both of them after like a long period away from them and was very happy, I guess is the best way. I, I you, you, We all have had that experience where you spend time away from a film and then you revisit it after a very long time, especially if it's something that was young, that was important to you when you were younger. And you're like, oh, it's not that good. I was, I was excited. I was happy. It was probably... Yeah, it was probably around like 2015 uh, was the first time I had revisited the series in probably at least 10 or 15 years. And I was very relieved to find that they still worked for me. And I think I've revisited them every year since. Um, and with that, I... Uh, started getting, you know, the word of mouth happening. Like I, like I always say that, like I'm getting hot news coming in over the teletype, you know, uh, there's a bill and Ted three in the works, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, 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 let me do, let me do like the, the, the traffic chop, uh, a copter, like coming out of the four Oh five. We're going to bill and Ted sequel coming in. <laughs> I just, uh, I always think of that like I'm speaking like I have some sort of inside information when, when I read something on the internet. Um, so I guess I'm just everyone. But uh, the, the idea of them returning now, the idea of them, and again, it's the premise of the film, but the idea of a third Bill and Ted being about the fact that like what was supposed to happen didn't, I thought was very intriguing. So... Um, I was, I was all in for this, you know, a year ago when they announced that, you know, they were going into production, I, I was ready for it. So, um, I, I think that, uh, of the two previous films, I think that the first one still works better, but I think the second one, the second one is a better film up until the third act. <laughs> I think that it's just, it's weird. Like I love both of them. So it's, it's really like it's splitting hairs at this point, but I think that the, the first one's just, it's third act is so strong. It's, and it's splitting stations at this point. That's what you're saying. Yeah. No, uh... <laughs> like right up until, you know, after they get stations and they're building the robots from that point on, I think it's sort of, just becomes I don't want to say sequelitis where you know in Ghostbusters there's a stay puff marshmallow man and then Ghostbusters 2 we got to have a big something so let's make the Statue of Liberty walk like it felt very much like that where um using the same idea to try and end your film and 
one might even say they do the same thing here to a lesser extent, but yeah, I mean, so, okay. Like, I, let me, and I'm getting ahead of myself, no, but I, I was just trying to no, that's fair. give you a, a breakdown of like, I love both the first and second one. I just think the, the, the first one still works over wall as a film a little bit better than the second one, but that's, it's the difference between like an A and an A minus. We'll put it that way. So I'm going to just warn everybody in advance that throughout this entire segment, like anytime we talk about anything excellent or cool, that's what's going to happen because we're going to do some air guitar as we're talking about this film. Uh, so my relationship with this film, it's a little like these films. I, like I, I, I love the excellent adventure. I remember watching the cartoon uh, on CBS um, like, you know, cause I don't know what it was with Saturday morning cartoons. It's like, we'll give it a season and then it just disappears, you know, which whatever it is what it is. And I remember bogus journey. I liked it. And I remember, and, and Steve, you'll laugh at this, uh, growing up where like in the, the house I grew up in, um, which is a weird thing to say the house I grew up in, I had my own bedroom, had a door and the door lead, like when you open into the door, like, you know, you, like the, the, the door going into my room had a bogus journey poster. Cause there was a local video store that I would go in and be like, they would have the rentals for a while. Like they have all the posters up. And then when they were done, I would just kind of go in and be like, can I have one of these? So I had a huge bogus journey poster. Um, but behind, if you close the door on my wall, there's a Freddy Krueger poster. And I was like, I love it. It's like, it's great. But I go to bed at night and I'd be like, ugh. And I just keep my door open because <laughs> I was a kid and my brain would start like going in these loops of like Freddy Krueger stuff. And I was like, he's cool. He scares me. I let me look at Bill and Ted and death. That's way better. You know? Um, so I had, I had a, like I had a full size, like what we would call it, like theatrical sized, like Bill and Ted bogus journey poster. And I like these movies. And this is also, um, before like Wayne's world, but I feel like this is all kind of the same thing, right? There was this like, like stoner loser mentality that kind of weaved its way through comedy that you dug where it's like, these guys were all well-meaning, but the light bulb never went off all the time. And when it did, it wasn't always correct. Like, I feel like the, like, so I had not seen the first two films in like, I don't know, like 20 years. Right. So leading up to face the music, I thought, I need to watch the first two, keep them fresh in my mind. So um, this past Saturday, I watched all three, back to back to back to back. It wasn't my intent, but these films are fun, so it just kind of happened. Um, uh, yeah, aside from a two poorly timed jokes in the prequel, the prequels, the first two films uh, involving a um, slur towards those that are different, these films hold up really, really well, and I had a lot of fun with both of them. What I think I enjoy most about them is, is that the slurs, uh, I know that's what you want to say, right? Is this what are you going to say? <laughs> the slurs. That's the part you enjoyed about it was the, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. Yes. The homophobic slurs. The, that's what I enjoyed about Bill and Ted. Put that on your poster. You're like, um, I was disappointed in part three cause they didn't do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, no, I, well, I will say that I expected them to do some sort of buyback on that and sort of like write it. I mean, maybe it's best to just ignore it altogether, but I was kind of surprised that they didn't just do something yeah, that would have like a Kevin Smith, like apology type of thing of like, dude, we don't yeah. say this anymore. You know, like I was surprised they didn't do that either, but at the same time, it's like, I think that'll put the brakes on the experience. Yeah. And, uh, but what I, what I do love about the first movie is, is that, well, both movies, is that 
there's this absurd humor happening throughout the film and you know you've got obviously historical figures stacking up and you have all these different like interactions but then you have just quiet like comedic beats like you know i think it's I think it's Bill who asks uh, somebody at the Circle K if they knew when the Mongols ruled China. Yes, yeah. It's so random and funny to me that those types of things are sprinkled throughout all three of these films, actually. They're they're not like one-liners. They're not – they're just done completely sincere, but they're they're so damn funny. Um, Whenever, like, those types of moments pop up in these movies, and it's one of the things that I really like about them – is that when they're even when they're doing the, you could say lowbrow comedy or the you know, um, the, the lowest common denominator for going with jokes, whether it be like, you know, the somebody being in an outhouse farting, but then you you have these 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 really like under the radar jokes, and I think that uh, all three of these movies do do it extremely well, and I. I really love it when they do that type of stuff. No, like the, the, the visual humor in the first film, when they land back and uh, like the old West and the, the, the phone booth falls between two outhouses is funny. Like, right. Like mm-hmm. that's a good time. Um, and then when they go on to buy the, to buy beers, they're like, Whoa, they didn't even cart us. We're going to remember this. Like it's, just, that's funny. But also like, like Bill and Ted, they aren't stupid. It's just that, they kind of live in the moment and they love each other. So they just kind of like the whole, like that they're like, Oh yeah, this. And the, cause you see in the first film, there's the loop of like, we need Eddie Van Halen. It's like, yeah, but we need a killer video, but we need to learn how to play instruments. That's why we need Eddie Van Halen. It's like this whole, like they want to be these amazing musicians and they know where they need to bit to get, but then they get kind of stuck in their own. Like they, like they acknowledge the work needs to be done, but they also kind of want to shortcut a little bit. Um, and I think that's kind of also that that's a through line for them where it's like, they, they know what is right and good, but they also may not always realize the amount of work that goes into that. And I like, you, you don't view them as like detrimental, like as much as I love Beavis and Butthead. And I think they're really, really funny because they're oblivious and I don't think they're, they, I don't think they have ill will. Um, they're just, they're just too stupid. Um, I think Bill and Ted are smart. It's just that it takes the right avenue in to show them like that, what they, what they're thinking is probably correct, but the way they're going about it is wrong. And I think that's evident in all three films. Yeah. And I, I think that it's not that they're like the difference between this and Wayne's world is, is that, you know, Wayne's world, even though Garth and Wayne are almost breaking the fourth wall in a lot of ways, they're, they're smarter characters, or at least they're presenting themselves in that manner. Um, even if they're up to, you know, just, the same sort of hijinks as Bill and Ted, if you will. Um, but I think that what makes Bill and Ted work is, is they're just complete enthusiasm in positivity. Yes. And I think that that's infectious. I think it's, I mean, even in the second one, they're in hell <laughs> and they're just, 
you know, they're still gleeful and happy, and like we gotta get know, we gotta get the devil's attention. We don't belong here. <laughs> right. <It's> like, <laughs> There's no. that one line like all of our album covers lied to us. Yes. Like, yeah. Like no, so I like, like, yeah. I'll just specify that like the first film was about them. Like I also will say that the stakes were pretty low until the third film, and that's okay. I think that's perfectly okay. I think you got to raise the stakes a little bit as you go along. And like, so the first one was, we've been told these guys are the saviors of the future. They need to pass a history presentation. And so they're going to go about doing that. And the second film is they have to win a battle of the bands. And that's supposed to be like their big moment. Right. And then, so that for the most part, for all intents and purposes, these are relatively minor events and the lives of a few. And I, I appreciate in the first film, it's like, we got to pass history because if not, we can't fulfill our destiny. And I, and, and, and Rufus like, doesn't go into like, like they, they see the future, but it isn't basically like, if you guys don't do this, the world as we know is done. It's more like, this is where you're destined to go. Here's a phone booth, figure it out. Like, it's kind of refreshing to have like a smaller thing of like, we got to pass a history exam. And that's their, their focus yeah, because, um, Ted is going to go to military school and then that means he'd be separated from Bill. Right. And that would be like most heinous. Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> I think also, um, when it comes down to, I, you, you're talking about the stakes and they seem so small when you're like passing, you know, passing high school history or, you know, winning a, a battle of the bands, but like they build an entire movie <laughs> around these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's, that's smart. You know, another movie would, would make it a much bigger event in either of their lives. And I love that it's these, <laughs> these small stake scenarios that have large consequences for them. Yeah. So no, so I like watching these films for the first time in like, like I said, 20 years, um, they're delightful. Maybe, you know, I don't like, I still was cracking up watching both of them. Um, like the, just, I'm glad that they went a different direction with the second film where it's like they died and now they got to deal with like the different planes of, of like existence. And then like all like it, it was, it was a logical way to go because they could have retreaded it and just done time travel stuff. And it would have been a thankless sequel. Um, but it went different. Right. And, but the elements that I think work for this is that you mentioned their, their optimism, no matter what their beliefs in themselves, like is just, it's unwavering for the most part. And then also along the way, they always get like a weird cast of characters. And, um, as much as I feel like logically the mall sequence in the first film, like just watching it now with like, you know, today's like vision of like, you have Genghis Khan in a sporting goods store just going nuts. It's like, oh, that's not funny. That's terrifying. Like, you know, like, you, um, <laughs> like, and it's, but it's still funny to me. But it's like, now you'd be like, this guy could kill people right now. And like, Joan of Arc shoving a jazzercise somebody aside. It's like, there's a lot of things that go on where it's like, also, what's up with Freud and, and, and Socrates? hitting on late and Billy, the kid hitting on girls in like the food court. It's funny, but it's like, if you start like pulling those threads, you're like, that's messed up, but that wasn't yeah, but written I, to be messed up. You know, I, I think that's part of the absurdity of it is, you know, them hanging out in the food court. Like I, I kind of love, I, I do too. That yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's taken 
this situation to the most oddest place that it possibly can. And um, I also love the fact that, uh, you know, they use dust in the wind to uh, convince <laughs> yes. Socrates to, to join uh, them on their quest. But I like that uh, he came up with the, the days of our lives, like intro. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah then, uh, and then when they're in front of God, they quote poisons. Every rose has a thorn. Like I, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah and and when you're talking about like characters i mean obviously you've got uh george carlin doing a non-comedic role i mean he's he's not like a heavy or anything like that but like he's there in the first two films as sort of the the person who believes in bill and ted and is sort of their angel if you will um and is looking out for them but you've you've also got you know, whether it's any of the historical figures, um, you've got William Sadler as death. And <laughs> as much as I love that movie, I think that that movie, I think it works for me more just because of William Sadler's of course, portrayal of, of death. Yes. The fact that they're, they're in hell and they're playing him, they're challenging him to games and they're games like Twister. Like, in battleship, it, in battleship, and, and yeah, was it I, uh, was uh, the electronic football, whatever you want to call it, like the tabletop football? Yeah, it's funny. Clue that was also yeah. funny. Yeah, <laughs> I just think that uh, that type of stuff I think is specific to this franchise, and I think that's when it excels is when it's 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 putting itself in those. Places. It's being absurd, yeah, and I, yeah. I dig that. So. Um, uh, before we talk about the third film, I just want to mention, which also like I should, should say that, uh, that the, the, the screenwriters for this, which were, um, Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson, they've been consistent through all three films, which is great. Um, here, here's the thing that blew my mind and I should have known this. Is this the piece of trivia that I think it's going to be about Chris Matheson? Yeah. Uh, There's, there's a couple here. One, he's the son of, um. Uh, Richard Matheson, which didn't realize that Richard Matheson is an amazing sci-fi writer who wrote a lot of the Twilight Zone, uh, wrote the the short story that became Duel, which was Spielberg's first film. Uh, you know, amazing anchor of the sci-fi community. Did not realize that this was his kid. That doesn't that doesn't put Chris in the shadow of Richard Matheson. It just never occurred to me. But then the trivia for that I found was when they're kind of like going through this thing. And Richard's like, this, this is, this is a time travel film. And it convinced Chris to be like, yeah, let's lean into that. That's cool. Yeah. I, I thought that, uh, I, I, well, first one, cause I, I somehow did not know this trivia either until they were doing the press for this. And I don't remember if it's the Comic-Con at home panel that they did, or if it's addressed in one of the articles that I read, uh, before the movie came out. But he was talking about like his writing, you know, not compared to his father, but sort of that idea of like, well, was time travel? Was that something that you took from your father? And he's like, no, not really. That was, you know, a completely different element, because uh, I don't know if you know this. Those characters, Bill and Ted, were created by them uh, doing like, like um, improv. improv. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought that that was great that they had, were like, we have these two characters. Let's write a movie about them. And like the fact that he's Richard Matheson's son, never like, <laughs> I don't know. 
it's just funny to me that uh, somebody who you know comes from the the a prolific uh, science fiction slash I don't know if you'd call it horror or not, but horror writer, um, and he does a science fiction movie, and he goes sort of in a complete opposite direction from what his father <laughs> probably would have done with an idea like that. Yeah, I mean to be fair, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this at you. Uh, so. Um, Richard Matheson had, he tried his hand at comedy sometimes. Um, there is that episode, uh, once upon a time, which is in season three of the original series that has Buster Keaton going like forward in time with a time helmet. It's, you know, like the, the idea that Matheson had and what was actually put on the screen are different, but he, he actually had an eye, he has an eye for comedy, but I think that he also has an eye for like logic where he's like, it's much more interesting if these guys do time travel. So like, I think, I think there was some influence there, but you're not wrong. So, but I'll say the other thing too, that I did not know about Chris Matheson, uh, two things. Well, three things, one, him being the son of Richard Matheson Two, he wrote mom and dad save the world, which I think is a funny movie. Um, and then also he did the screenplay for a goofy movie, which, um, here's my mission. I've not seen that all the way through, but a lot of people hold that up as a really great um, Disney original. I have not seen actually either of those films. So, um, Mom and Dad Save the World have uh, John Lovitz is like this leader of this idiot planet. Um, I will just say that they um, that the rebels that were fighting because like everybody that's in charge like that like re- like responds to him or like they're they're dumb as dumb as dumb. And mm-hmm. there's a bit where the rebels are like, we're going to put down a flash grenade. And uh, I think Terry Gars in the film, she's like, what's that do? And he's like, and there's just a grenade. that says, pick me up. And they just put it out there. And then all the troops for John Lovett's people go over and be like, Oh, it says, pick me up. And the, the one person picks it up and they just disappear. And then the guy next line's like, Oh, what happened to him? Oh, I better pick this up. And like, it's a running joke throughout <laughs> all this, where you see, everybody pick up this grenade. That's like, Oh, I know that other three people disappeared, but it does say, pick me up. Like it's so dumb, but it's great. That's funny. I didn't, uh, I, I didn't, I've not seen that movie. I haven't seen a goofy movie. I mean, I guess we are in the year of animation. Maybe that's something we should take a look at. I mean, maybe I, but it's available on Disney, Disney plus. And I know there's like a certain, it's one of those things where it's like '90s kids remember. I've I've not seen that film all the way through. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, but I know people hold it mind. up. But but yeah, so and I, we didn't even talk about Ed Solomon, which is the co-writer uh, co-writer of this as well. Um, he's written a little bit more. He has more more um, film work. Uh, he did uh, actually. I take that back. He also did eight episodes of the Gary, It's Gary Shandling Show. Remember, oh, uh, I yeah. loved It's Gary Shandling yeah. Show. It looks like he wrote. Um, like a couple episodes of Laverne and Shirley. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, but, uh, the original 2000s, Charlie's angels say what you want about that. Um, now you see me and now you see me too, hmm. which I know those were like big hits. I've not seen them. Uh, oh, is it now you see me three has been announced. So we'll see. So there is some film like film pedigree for these guys. So. Well, I also wanted to mention, I, I mentioned the Comic-Con at Home panel. Um, on the same token, uh, they were talking about when the first film was casting, they weren't really involved with the casting. And I, I believe they had been invited to the set, and they hadn't met who was playing Bill and Ted. And they were, I think they said they were in like a McDonald's or whatever, and they were two guys. 
And they're like, man, those two guys are perfect. Those are the type of guys that they should cast as Bill and Ted. They show up on set. It turns out that the guys that were at the McDonald's were Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, so they were like yeah. pleasantly surprised that the guys that they they were like just saw randomly in a McDonald's turned out to be the guys who were actually <laughs> cast. Yeah. And I know that they like, um, like I, there was a recent interview with the, both of them on, um, uh, Stephen Colbert where it's like, what's going on. They talked about like their, their origin of their friendship about how like they just kind of, when they're doing the casting call, like they're like side by side and they started talking about common interest and they developed a chemistry then. And it's like, you could tell, and I know, and I know the story is, is that over the years they would go out and Halloween dresses, Bill and Ted, and like blow people's minds or be ignored completely because people didn't think it was them. You could tell these two have been friends for years and it is wonderful. I will say there is something to that. I don't know what it is that, you know, when you find out that two people who are supposed to be friends, you know, in a TV show or a movie turn out to be like actual real friends and not like surface level, like, um, you know, listening to the Scrubs podcast, listening how much, uh, you know, Zach Braff and Donald Faison actually, you know, were and still are friends and how much they genuinely like each other. There's just something a little added bonus to that where you're like, they played best friends on TV, but they're best friends in real life too. That's, there's something nice about that. So yeah, it's, it's the anti, uh, Jamie Heineman and Am Savage, like, right. you know, like <laughs> which is the biggest heartbreaker of all time. But yeah, th- there's something nice about that. Well, it's like when, you know, you, you'd hear about Wayne's world that, you know, Dana Carvey and Mike Myers didn't always get along. You're like, I just imagined them just getting along famously. And you know, yeah. they didn't always. So yeah, I don't know. There's just something about it that, it makes you feel better when you're like, oh, they're real friends. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, in terms of like, we talked about the writers and then also I know the director of this was the one, the gentleman who directed um, um, Galaxy Quest, which good pedigree because Galaxy Quest so, is a really fun film. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to throw this out there. Yes, please. Real quick. And I'm not going to divert us from our talk. Bullshit. I'm, Go ahead. I'm I'm somebody who I, I don't know if I've seen Galaxy Quest more than once but I didn't care for it. And I don't know if it's Tim Allen. I don't know. I'm I'm saying that if at some point for the show, if we want to revisit Galaxy Quest, if you want to, I would be open because I feel like I'm one of the the people who's on the outside going like, I don't get it. Why do people love this movie? Maybe with a revisit, I would, I would get a little bit more of that, but uh, please. Cause I think that movie's a delight. I think it's actually, I think it's actually a lot of fun. I think it's a, yeah. So, but I, but I, I think that in terms of his comedic timing, I think he has a sense for rhythm, like at least. Um, I'm not saying that maybe like. So I, let me just rephrase. Like Galaxy Quest is, is fun. <laughs> I, Bill and Ted Three is a lot of fun too. Um, we'll we'll talk about our feelings about the film. I think that you could have done much, 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 much worse to pick a director coming in for this whenever he's handled a film that has some significant personalities and that's doing like a, you know, like, I mean, I know Bill and Ted's a little bit more front focused than those guys, but you have multiple side stories where I feel like galaxy quest is also more of an ensemble thing. So how do you manage some of those personalities? You have Sigourney Weaver in that and Tim Allen at the, like the height of his uh, powers. Right. So how do you handle that? I, I would love to revisit galaxy quest. Yeah, and that was not at all dismissed uh, like a dismissal of the director. It's just that 
um, I brought it up just knowing how beloved that film is. And I'm, I, it's that thing. Uh, it's, it's similar to how we've talked about the shining in the past where I'm like, everybody loves it, but me, why do well, I not yeah, love it? So and this, this might've been I, one of those I, films I, that was primed for when we talked about this year being like the year of the revisit, this might've been one of those. I didn't realize that like you uh, have a different um, opinion of it than myself, but that's that's fine. Like, I mean, the first time I watched it, I thought it was okay, but the, the repeat of viewings that that film has kind of shined through for me. So, no, I. But I think in terms of the director, you could have picked, you know, somebody that was completely ill-equipped, you know, to do this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I agree, and I I think also, um, you know, I, I again, this is one of those things that I just think is better about creatives is that it's almost better that this was made at a time when there wasn't interest in Bill and Ted in the sense that the writers had an idea. Um, and they, they talk about this. It's I, again, there's so much for the promotion of this film. I don't remember where I saw it, but the idea for this came from sitting down and having, or the idea for it was presented to Keanu and, um, Alex winter, um, as a, would you guys be interested in revisiting these characters? Here's what we're thinking, which I think is a much more organic way to tell this story than to, you know, we've had two hit sequels, you know, and our two hits hit movies. We got to do a third. You know, I, I think that this came out of the writers having an idea and presenting it to them, gave it a much more, gave it much more meaning that had it just been the company being like, what properties do we have? Let's do this. Yeah. If that makes sense. No. And I, and knowing that this was kind of pitched to them like 10 plus years ago, like after, um, George Carlin passed, it's like, it just became a thing, right? Like where it was like, is this going to happen? And I know you can speak to, there was always rumors of this third film. Right. So then there was a spread, uh, was it entertainment weekly about a year and a half ago where we, they had the act, they had Alex winter and Keanu Reeves back together, saying, hey, this is what we want to do. And that kind of like got the ball of motion to get the like like it over the hump to get it done, if I remember right. Um, and I also remember that Steven Soderbergh, if you look, he's one of the producers, was like, yeah, we could do this. Like Steven Soderbergh? I'm not sure what happened. I can't tell if you can hear me or not, but I, I can hear like you. It went um, out for me. No, it just it time travel. Okay. No, Steven Soderbergh is one of the producers, is what I was saying. Um, so I'm just, what I'm also no. stating is that, uh, no, I, I, what I'm saying is, is I just missed like the last 30 seconds. Something happened with the feed. I wasn't getting anything. No, that no it's saying. fine. It's, it, uh, it's just the disruption of the time stream. The reality is falling apart. We have 72 minutes. Um, what I'm saying is that, uh, about a year and a half ago, or maybe even two years ago, there was, uh, a push cause there was the entertainment weekly, like spread with Alex winter and, um, Keanu Reeves, right? And people got excited, and then the money started showing up. And then Steven Soderbergh's like, "Yeah, I'll get people together." Soden- Soderbergh, Steven Soderbergh, right? Like the last person you'd think to be like a producer in a Bill and Ted movie, but he believed in it. That's interesting. I actually didn't know that part about uh, Soderbergh. That's that's fun. Um, it's one of those things where I do wonder. Um, I just I feel like Keanu Reeves is such a name that like it would just be an automatic green light now. Like if he's on board, he he was not the name yeah. he was. Like if you go ten years ago, I mean I forget when the first John Wick came out, but it's like he, like I I will say 
I don't know, cutting you off, and I apologize. Um, I've always loved Keanu Reeves, but I've also kind of appreciated like, like he, I feel like as an actor, he has, he has like a lane that he has to be in. Um, and maybe that's me judging and you guys can tell me I'm wrong, but he doesn't always have the most, I, he doesn't have the biggest scope in terms of his performance. Right. Uh, and then I think he was kind of set aside for like, he was focusing on his action performances and the dude dude's in his fifties. And if you guys want to watch a video of him training for the John Wick films, he does, he can do all of that. And it is just mind blowing. Um, but in terms of emoting, I think he started to realize that maybe he is not the most emotive of actors. And I would argue that Ted is also not the most emotive of actors, but like he does enough. Like he gets that vibe. It's not, it's not a wide character, but he gets Ted. Right. Um, but I, as much as I saw an article headline and this is me reacting to it where Alex winter, like he's like, I don't think because of John wick, this film got greenlit. Maybe, maybe he knows more about the business. I feel like Keanu's now on like his like third resurrection as like an actor and bank bankability. I think that's what brought the money to the table is that Keanu Reeves is now a hot prospect in Hollywood, which he was not like 10 years ago. And I'll admit there were times where I was down on Keanu Reeves um, and it had nothing to do with like the matrix or um, uh, he, he did a remake of the day uh, the earth stood still, I believe as well. And there are a couple other things that he's done that have been um, sort of large, either flops or successes for him. But there, I guess that's one good thing that you can say about him. He either like goes down in flames hard or like blows up bigger than anything else. So that's admirable. Um, for me, it was always that when it never felt natural to me when he would try and do a role like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the devil's advocate. Um, yes, I have. Like when he tries to like adopt like a Southern, yeah, yeah it, it it's just not his thing. And again, it's a fun movie, but I, I feel like putting him in a southern like draw was not the right call. Right. And and I will say the same thing about another like very popular actor, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford cannot do anything. I don't know if you've seen I think it's K-19, the Widowmaker, but I feel like his Russian accent falls off like 20 minutes into the movie and Boy, oh boy, he's just not great at accents. <laughs> it's just one of those things when it's not in his wheelhouse, and them having him try to do it didn't work. It's like it's like um, Sean Connery in the Hot for October. It's like you push in while they're speaking Russian, and then you pull out, and he's speaking Scottish, like with the Scottish right. accent. You just deal with it, right? <laughs> like, like I get it. Like, how many accents can I do? Zero. I mean, other than right. like a, a fakey Southern accent, you know. But like, that's fine. Like, I just no know your casting, know your limitations. And which is funny. Cause I will say that, um, that it was entertaining to me that in this film, there was a brief moment where Keanu and Alex winter were also doing like these put upon British accents, but they were called out for it. I thought that mm -hmm. was delightful. Yeah. And I, I thought it was just nice to see him return to not just the role itself, but to do something light and comedic. Um, you yeah. know, he's been doing John Wick. He's been, he's doing a matrix four. Um, he's done a lot of dramatic stuff. Um, and I, I'll, I'll give him credit, man. He's willing to try anything. And that's, 
No, like you're you're hundred percent right. Like I would shake that man's hand right now and be like, "You've done, you've done nothing but to try to bring entertainment and enjoyment to me." Like without a doubt, it just, I, it's just in terms of what we know of performers and those that we love and appreciate. Um, we we got we got to call a spade a spade, right? In terms of like we know that like there's just a range for him, but his commitment knows no bounds. But his output. Yeah, we can recognize that. Yeah, but I mean, he's trying different things. He's doing different things. And I think that that's admirable. And I I think also the fact that he's willing to return to a character that, you know, he did almost 30 years ago last is, is impressive. I think that, you know, I don't know. I, I, I guess there aren't that many people who are willing to revisit their past the way he was. And I, I like that. It would be like, um, what was it? If, if like Sean Penn's like, you know what, what's up with Spicoli? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I also, I had that thought watching this film. I was like, is this, is this it for, um, revivals of things that I loved as a kid? Because this is, you know, clearly my teenage years. Like, there's not much left before you start getting into my 20s. And even those movies, if they have a revival, for instance, like Jay and Silent Bob reboot, you know, that, you know. Uh, I've not watched that yet, that's but I already, you have. Yeah. yeah, it's already rebooted, you know, in this, uh, not rebooted, I'm sorry. It's already them acknowledging that they're getting old. And that was a series that started when I was in my late teens, early twenties. So like what's left at this point, that's really going to have that same sort of resonance with me. Uh, Wayne's this world, is the last three. Hurrah. Wayne's world three. We're going to get a puffy Mike Myers and a post multiple heart <laughs> surgeries. Dana Carvey. That's what we're going to get. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. The, the, I think it was the last like I think it was five years ago. Whenever it is that they did the the fortieth anniversary of Saturday Night Live, yeah, I think that might have been two thousand fourteen. They did a, a Bill and or a Bill. They did a Wayne and Garth sketch, and it was okay. And I think I'm good with that. I don't know that I need <laughs> rule three. What What if we get? So I married another axe murderer. How would you feel about that? No, just kidding. That's a movie that we'll have to revisit because that's another one that people love. I love So I Married an Axe Murderer. Can we not be friends now? You just, uh, you know, you just shit on Galaxy Quest and So I Married an Axe Murderer. What's going on? Steve just dropped what, what out of the call. Mean? Steve just dropped out of the call I'm, because he said he didn't like So I Married an Axe Murderer. I'm still here. Can you yeah, hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I like that there's two separate times when things were getting like difficult. Like Skype was like, no. Then it <laughs> sounds like you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't hear you. <laughs> and you just like drop out. <laughs> no, I wasn't sure if you were trying to edit that last piece as well. Nah, like... we're going to roll with it. It's fine. We'll just deal with it. It's fine. Okay. Wasn't like, that bad. I literally couldn't hear you for like 30 seconds. Yeah, I mean, but everybody could hear me for 30 seconds. So that's, you know, they got to deal with it. Um, so. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyway, so let's um, let's get into the film proper because we've talked about. Uh, and also, by the way, I'm just going to throw this out here. Alex Winter needs to be in more things. He showed that he has 
a little bit more flexibility here than I was expecting. Like he actually, it was called upon him to do a lot of heavy lifting in this film. And he was a delight. We need more Alex winter. I'll, I'll agree with that a hundred percent. I think that he's somebody who likes working behind the camera. Mm-hmm. I know he's done some documentaries. I know he's directed some things. Um, hopefully this gets him a more work or B more opportunities to, to do acting because to do acting. <laughs> <laughs> more acting acting opportunities i need him and a pirates of the caribbean film just playing like some washed up pirate with a shitty british accent that's what i need right now more than anything because <laughs> i think he's proven that he could do that i think that would be so good um so so yeah um so this film picks up with them many 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 moons later uh and like they had their success as wild stallions they um, had like a, lo- a good run, but now the pressure's building for them to write the song that's going to unify the world and bring ultimate peace and like everything. Right. Um, I love the pickup of them being like in their fifties of like, like they can feel the pressure, but also like they're better musicians. Like I will, I will say that versus when we first met them, they couldn't play their instruments, but now it's like, they're good. It's just, they keep reaching out to these different like genres and like different splinters of music, hoping that they'll strike gold. I just want to make a quick aside, uh, that happens within the first, I don't know, minute and a half of the film. Um, there is a moment where they're talking about the film is at the beginning is narrated by their daughters. Um, and they're talking about, Hey, you might've known, Bill and Ted is these guys when you first met them. And, you know, you may remember them from the last time you saw them, which was when they won the battle of the bands. And then like, but then, you know, the things that they were supposed to do didn't happen. And then they show us like these different like albums that they tried to put out and different like photos and them adapting to the times. There's a photo of Alex winter. I'm going to guess it's probably supposed to be like mid nineties where he's wearing like lipstick and eyeliner. Maybe it's late. 90s early 2000s but that photo fit in perfect for perfectly for me because there was this period in the middle 90s where metallica was trying to figure out who they were as well not so much musically but like i remember kirk cut his hair and started wearing eyeliner and i'm like who is that guy <laughs> uh, that's not the dynamic i know and it, it, I, honestly, it, it made me think of that period, and I thought it was so indicative of uh, of bands trying to figure out where they're going and how to evolve their mo- their music. The, the the little photo montage, and I realize I'm, I'm talking about something that happens within the first like two minutes of the film, but I, it's perfect because it gives you everything that you need to know about who those guys are and where they've been trying to go for the last 25, 30 years. Well, it's like there's the one cover art of like two empty chairs. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, there was like a very 90s, like early 2000s vibe to that. But yeah, when we catch up to them, they're at uh, Missy's uh, wedding <laughs> and they're playing a, a special song for her. That's like a 100 word long title. And it's like the original work that's going to bring the world together. And just them, like, like Keanu's playing a theremin, there's a horn, there's, like, bongos. And the thing is, like, it's not, it's not bad. It just, it's, like, it's weird. And, you know, Bill is doing throat singing. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
But I, I love the fact that they're just trying anything at this point, and I do like the idea that where they were at one point, the guys who were willing to uh, try and, you know, bring in other performers to try and boost themselves up, they finally put the work in, but that work didn't bear fruit. I like that idea. I like it too. So, um, but the, I, I'll ask you, um, so at the beginning, before we get to the, that part, we get like a, uh, talking from, uh, here it's, um, it's Ted's daughter, right? Who, um, one second, let me find her name. Um, uh, it's because they're named after the, the guys, right? So, um, one second, I'll find it. Where's it at? Oh, while you're talking about that, yes. I just want to mention real quick that uh, I thought one of the things that uh, they sidestepped, sidestepped quite well was that people thought that at the end of Bogus Journey, where they review reveal their children, and they call them Little Bill and Little, little Ted. Ted. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, it's supposed to be boys. Why are they suddenly girls? They sidestepped that really like, nice A couple way. times they reference it, yeah. So uh, 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 was it Bridget Lundy Payne plays Billy, who uh, mm-hmm. like, yeah, she's the son of um of Ted, but then the son of Bill is uh, Thea, who's played by mm-hmm. Samara Weaving. Who nothing against her, she was okay, and she's the daughter of um, Hugo Weaving. So Alex, uh, sorry, Keanu Reeves is like bring her in. Like I think that's amazing, but I feel like uh, Bridget Lundy Payne as Billy, like she encompassed Ted so amazingly. Like her delivery and her posturing was amazing. But, uh, but yeah, like, um, she's the one doing the voiceover, I think at the beginning talking about where the world is, um, mm-hmm. and not to drag this out too long, but Hey, it's invasion. Um, it's already a minute, a minute 40, an hour 40. Oh my God. This is going to be a long episode. I apologize way in advance. We didn't make it in 72 minutes. No reality's been undone. Sorry guys. Um, so, uh, here, <laughs> let's throw these out here. No, that's not awesome. <laughs> um, what did you feel about her intro voiceover? I know it's a callback to the first film, but it's like, did we need to see about how like reality and time was being displaced immediately? I kind of wish that would have been brought in once um, once we got Christian Shaw's character. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's necessary, but I don't know that it's something that bothered me either. Um, it's splitting hairs. Like you said earlier, it's absolutely, yeah, I, I mean, one of the things that I'll say, uh, going into the film is that I, I liked being able to see where they are now. Um, but I wish we had gotten a little bit more of that. Um, I kind of think it would have been interesting to see because Ted is the one who's a little distraught at this point and is, you know, he literally says to bill. Yeah, I'm tired. Like, it's been 25 years trying to write this song that's supposed to save the world. And I I'm exhausted in, uh, I, I wish we would have gotten a little bit more of that, which I realize is in direct opposition of being like, Oh, they're, they're optimistic characters and they're, they're always happy. But I think maybe if we gotten a little bit more of that, cause they do it, they do it very well in the couples therapy scene. I thought that was really funny <laughs> yes. that, that they would, go to couples therapy as couples as opposed to, and not understand they're supposed to go individually with their wives. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I loved that idea. I thought that was really funny, but there's, there's an earnestness to 
you know, Ted saying to Bill, you know, I think I'm done. Like he's talking about selling his guitar and I wish there'd have been a little bit more of that. I, I think maybe if I'd have gotten more of that as opposed to the monologue that you're referring to, maybe that would have worked a little better for me. But I, no, I agree. I feel like, I mean, they're, they're not the deepest of characters from the jump. Like for the last two films we get who they are, but it's like, I wish there'd have been a little bit more of that back and forth of that, but it at least gives us the notion that it's like, there's doubt, right? And that's whenever we get um, we get uh, Christian Shaw's character, who is what's her name? It is uh, Kelly. We get her to show up, right? So, um, and then the show that like, oh, well, you need to believe because if you don't, the world's gonna fall apart, and that that starts t- a ticking clock, right? So that's that's fun. Um, and I also appreciate that, like, yeah, there's time travel involved here, but it's also it's still. Like, say what you want about, like, I think, I think for the second film, the way it ended, it could have been fine. Like you find out that they were good and they saved the world, but for a third film to show up with the, the, the niggling questions of like, but what if they didn't? Um, I think that as a trilogy, which I know a lot of things are set out now to do this, and this was never the intent because the first film did so well that they greenlit a second one. And it's like, we need to make our money because Orion was kind of a shit show at the time. Um, um, I think this is actually a really good grace note to the series. Um, and it's an accidental trilogy in a lot of ways. And I, I, and all three films feel different. And I think that's actually pretty great. Yeah, I agree. So the next comment that I make here, please do not take it as a disparaging comment. God damn it. Um, Okay, go ahead. No, because here's the thing. Like at the end of the day, I think I might have been harder on this movie had 2020 not been so shitty. (laughs) But it just it was it was comfort food. It felt. Yeah, I'm actually like getting choked up thinking about it. It felt like, oh, God, there's something good in the world still, at least. Um, and it, it seems so weird to say that about a Bill and Ted movie, but a lot of the reviews that I've read have kind of pointed that out, uh, that out as well. They're like, yeah, it, it just felt right and good to be with these characters again. And we, we need this optimism yes. in our lives. Um, but with that in mind, the one thing that I kept coming back to is, is that like, yes, I wanted to see a little bit more about who they are now. Um, and how that's affected them. But I, I also thought that it might not have been a smart idea to make Thea and Billy so like in tune with their fathers. And I realized that this probably would have added to the budget, but I, I thought, and again, this is just me trying to write a better movie, even though I'm not nearly as talented as these people. Um, but I was like, wouldn't it have been interesting? Cause I don't know anybody whose kids think their parents are awesome. <laughs> like they're their parents you know what i mean like i don't know anybody who's like yeah, that's into fair. the music that their dad their 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 parents listen to or think they're cool and i'm like what if there would have been a portion instead of them going back in time to find musical or musicians to work with them what if they would have accidentally somehow went back in time to 1988 and saw their dads as teenagers and that would have informed what they were going to try and do. Like, I'm not saying that would have worked better. I just, that was the thing that I kept coming back to was, this was like, ah, 
I don't know any teenager who thinks their their parents are the bee's knees. We'll put it that way. And you can tell I'm an old man because I just use the phrase bee's, bees knees. knees. You know, sometimes we just tie an onion to our belt and then, you know, anyway. So, <laughs> Which no, was the fashion at the time. It was the fashion back at the time. It's <laughs> like, and then we would call, what was it, uh, the bee, whatever. It was like, I'll trade you five bees for something or other, whatever. <laughs> like uh, uh, Abraham Simpson said. But uh, no, like, so I, I agree with that. But I also feel like because since they've not had gainful employment for like years, like they've had time to be good dads. Like you get the, yeah. the notion of like, like the wives, uh, you know, the the haughty princesses are the the they're the 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 breadwinners of the family, and so you could tell like they both love their daughters, and they both have imbued like this appreciation of music. Which I will say that as much as I felt it was a little a little weird, and I need to watch it again, um, the whole notion that the daughters are really really good at picking picking out like the best parts of stuff. It's it's laid down early in the film. It really, it really is. And so when they get to the revelation of what's going on and how they're pivotal to what's going on, it makes sense. But I need to watch it again to see how how smart of a landing it is because it feels like it's a um, it's a hard landing into that point. It makes sense, but you're like, ah, there's not enough given to me. Like after a while, however, the conversation with death. Which, like, by the way, let's throw a shout out again to uh, William Sadler as death. His his plot point coming into this third film is amazing, and his resolution is amazing. And he, like, him and we have not even talked about Dennis, the robot, the Terminator, but death showing up in the third act kind of kind of like lifts the movie up in a wonderful way. Oh, I 100% agree, and I actually uh, think that, talking about the absurdist humor, I think Dennis Caleb McCoy is the name of the robot. (laughs) I think think they should have integrated him earlier. A little bit earlier. Yeah, this idea of this Terminator robot running around who's named Dennis Dennis Caleb McCoy. Um, Named after an ex-boyfriend. Named after an ex-boyfriend of uh, um, uh, freaking um, Christian Shaw's character, Kelly. Yeah. Because her her mother's the great leader, and they named this robot after a boyfriend that she had. And we don't even know if like he has the personality, Dennis. Right? I'm cutting you off. Yeah. Dennis is the, the part of the film that I, I was like howling watching this film laughing at. And it's one of those, again, like I said, the certest humor of the series. I think that it meshed so well that I was like, this is what I want more of. And uh, there's a moment, too, where the robot ends up in hell. It, both Bill and Ted are like, I don't know how a robot goes to an afterlife, but whatever. Like, they're just <laughs> sort of like, they're trying to make sense of it. And they're, they're kind of almost a annoyed with him because he's tagging along at that point um and his interactions with bill and ted and and uh death, death. are just fantastic <laughs> but also with also uh christian shawl like when they're in hell for a moment and she's like she's like, get she's like no 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 get like she yells at him but i also love her he's like i'm not gonna kill anymore like i'm i'm a good guy and it's like oh yeah come along he's like he just the way he just think the the actor, which is Anthony Cargan, which I do not know, which I I, I read that he's in the the series Barry, which you've seen Barry. 
Um, yeah, I, that, yeah, I'd highly recommend him on Barry. I, I need to great. watch that series, but it's like I wish that his um, his struggle would have shown up earlier in the movie. But when he starts doing stuff, where he's like, "Oh, I could play a tambourine," that's like anybody could play a tambourine. He's like, "But I could dance." He's like, "Well, practice your dance moves over there." It's like, <laughs> like I I love Dennis, and it, it just it, it speaks to the first two films where they would bring in oddball characters. And yeah. like, and you also feel like there's a little bit of improv with him and that's good. Right. Like, um, but yeah, like that, like Dennis seals the movie in the third act, um, like, like hands down. And I wish they would have given him a little better ending, but whatever it is, what it is. He made me laugh. Not that I'm saying like, we've not done any justice to the plot, which I, I think is probably a good thing in the sense of like people, watch this film, pay the money. Uh, I know Steve paid to own it. And then I, um, I, I, uh, um, slid into his DMS and watched it. Um, but so I'll, I'll yeah, say this real quick yeah. too. Like I, I, on the, the owning, which I don't regret owning it. Cause, um, uh, I rewatched it again before we recorded. So I've already watched it twice. Um, this is not a wizard scenario where I'm like, ah, I own that now. <laughs> um, but I didn't know that I was buying it. It just, I got an ad from Voodoo, which is where I do all of my like online, you know, movie buying. And they're like, Oh, you know, Bill and Ted, you know, 2499, get $3 back. I'm like, great. I you thought you were paying for it. the 24 hour or sorry, 40 hour, 40 hour viewing window. Right. Yeah. And to find out that I'm basically, you, you know, bought it for $5 more. I'm like, hell yeah, of course yeah. I, I, so yeah, I, I bought it on accident, but it was a happy accident. No, wonderful. And I know that they have that available. And then also, because I mean, right now with the digital distribution, a lot of films are like 20 bucks, which I, I think I talked about that, uh, like a couple of weeks ago with that Kevin Bacon film. What was it? I you should have left. Um, which by the way, if new mutants was $20, I'd pay $20 for new mutants, but whatever. I'm not going to go to the theater. Um, but I know you you had t- told me I'm gonna I'm gonna rent this and then I'm gonna give you a window to like peek in and watch it and then I saw it was still there I'm like that's great like I'll watch it again um, I think that's I think that's a great way to do this right now um, like but I also I also feel bad that I didn't pay the money for the film myself because I want to support it but it looks like from everything I'm looking at the VOD numbers are there. It's just that from all the different services, whether voodoo, which is you have or whoever that's not been tabulated at yet. So I think the film's actually going to do pretty good. And I lost Steve. I'm still here. Sorry. One that I don't know. I don't think that was my phone, but uh, that may have actually been me this time. So yeah. I apologize. Here, I'm, I'm here just to cover it up. Here, about one of these. There we go. Yeah, I, I think that uh, they were smart to go VOD the way they did. And again, like I said, I didn't know I was spending the extra five dollars to buy it, and I'm happy that I did. Um, I, I think that this is kind of the movie that we all sort of needed right now. And uh, I think it's great that it's doing well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Not taking that hard line. It's great that it's doing well. I mean, no, I'm, I don't I'm, know. 
<laughs> no, please continue. Please, please, please. No, I just I I also love things like you know they 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 brought the the gentleman back who played Ted's father. You know what I mean? Like they they brought back the actress who played Missy. Like yeah, but they, I, they I closed I, they closed I, out those loops a continuity though. Continuity to these films. Yeah, no, yeah. they 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 uh, Hal Landry Jr. played Chief Logan. They actually gave him an emotional ending to every like they closed the loop, and then uh, Missy, who <laughs> like Amy Stotch, but then. Her being married to Beck Bennett's character, who was the 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 younger brother of Ted, is really funny because they they mention a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, by the way, uh, Dad, you're now your own what was it? You're you're now your own uncle or whatever, and you just see just, yeah. just Chief Logan just sitting there and be like, what the hell am I in for? That was great. But Beck Bennett, I love Beck Bennett, and he didn't get a lot of screen time, and that's okay. Um, we didn't even get into. Um, we didn't even get into Keanu and Alex acting against themselves, which was a big thing for the two movies previous, but the whole thing of them edging like a few years into their own future and dealing with their, like their shit bag selves <laughs> going forward is really, really fun. And I, I don't want to ruin that. You know what? I'm not going to ruin all of that, but it's like, it's a lot of fun watching them deal with like the repercussions of their actions going forward. I, I will also just real quick throw out a uh, shout out. I think it's Jaeger Effects who did uh, the makeups. Um, oh, it's so I good. Say what character yeah. it is that they apply. I mean, it's in the trailer when you see Bill and Ted as like roided out prison guards. Yeah, that's that's guys. really effective. Yeah, like that's really effective. Uh, that's all makeup, but. Uh, there's a scene later in the film that involves another uh, set of characters uh, who've been aged up, and it's some of the best old age makeup I think I've ever seen. I think it's really phenomenal. It's really good, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it just uh, I also want to throw out a um, a shout out to uh, Jama Hay- Jama Mays, who is Joanna, who's the the redhead of the two uh, princesses. Um, mm-hmm. I adore her. Like I have a crush on her big time. There is a TV series that she was in for two seasons of called trial and error that people need to check out. She is delightful. Um, but yeah, just like she didn't get a lot of like, the, the wives, the princesses didn't get a lot to do here, but they got it. They got like kind of a key thing at the end. I'm just going to throw it out that uh, the end got very doctor who ish. And I'm okay with that because you're dealing with uh, a phone booth that uh, can travel through time, which is pretty much the TARDIS. Like I'm okay with the hand wave away of the solution. Um, no, this film made me smile the entire time. Is there problems? Sure. Is there problems with the first two films? Like it's, it's about two idiots in San Dimas, California that could save the world. Like I'm not saying that that forgives everything, but it's like, just check your brain. This, this isn't inception. This isn't, you know, like, you know what I <laughs> mean? Like, it doesn't have to be. It does, no, no, it never intended to be. It's fun. Just all three films are fun. And, um, they're, and they're, I, like, the reviews for this film have been kind of middling, but that's okay. Cause it's like, like what someone said that it's not heinous, but it's also not bodacious. It's like, okay. I was smiling all the way through. And then when we got to the robot with his, uh, his, um, conflict of personality and programming that's the part that started to make me laugh like just a lot 
And I appreciate that we're this far in and that this character, like that aside is the one that's making me laugh hard. Like, I think that's wonderful. Yeah. And I, I said it earlier, like I, I don't know that I needed this to be a perfect movie and it's not, but boy, oh boy, did I have fun with it. And it's it was fun. Yeah. It's it was fun. such a brief, it, it was such a, a, a nice, I don't want to say breath of fresh air because it's a 30 year old franchise now, but it's, it's, it, it, it felt like putting on that comfortable sweater. It felt uh, like comfort food and that's okay. And I, I'm very content with that. Yeah. And that's the bar has to cl- the, the clear, right? Because as much as people want to like look backwards about like how big this franchise was, it really wasn't, you know, and I, I'm not dismissing it. It's just the first film, like kind of st- like struck lightning, not that's struck gold lightning in a bottle and did well. And then the sequel did okay. Um, so it was one of those things. It's like, if it was kind of like forgotten, it made its money at the time. And there was no, there's no good reason for this third movie to exist other than the people that loved it and those involved. And it yeah, does a good I'll, job I'll, of that. I'll also say, you know, on the same topic, uh, and that doesn't make any sense I, on the same, not even the same note. I'm, I'm talking sure. in circles. Just, just, but just say words, just say words. No, we're podcasting. It's fine to say words in a sequence. We're good. Look, I, I think that anytime that you pick up a character that, you haven't seen in 30 years there's expectations but also it's a relief when you see that see that they don't fall in their keys i think both alex winter and keanu reeves give great performances yeah i i love that they're both committed to the characters i love the fact that like it still feels like these two guys i i love that um you know i i also think that uh you know from the point that they get to hell is where the movie really takes off. And I, I, I know that I'm not, we're saying no spoilers or, you know, we've given out spoilers, but we've been actually pretty decent about not spoiling things. But I would say from that point on, the movie really kicks into high gear, <laughs> which is unfortunate because it's like 20 plus minutes to the end. <laughs> like, but whatever. But there, like. Some of my favorite moments in the movie is, uh, during that, that time span. One is when, uh, Ted's father, who's now in hell as well, uh, realizes that everything that his son has told him is actually true because the film starts out with him like being like, you know, it's been going on for 30 years. You guys, you didn't travel in time. You didn't go to hell. You didn't do that. Like you're not writing a song that's going to save the world. But there's a moment where he's telling Ted that like (laughs) that it all makes sense now and he's happy for them. And I think it was even in one of the trailers where they're like, yeah, but now all of reality is collapsing in on itself. And he's, he stops. He's like, wait, is that new? <laughs> they're like, yeah, and it's new. <laughs> they're like, yeah. And then he basically tells Bill that he's, you know, he's like, I shouldn't have, or he tells Ted, I shouldn't have been criticizing you. I should have been supporting you. And Bill's like, oh, thanks. And he's like, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's some good character moments and yeah, I just, there's, then, yeah, please. But there, there's another moment too where they run in, where, where they find their daughters in hell, and uh, and like uh, Ted says to her, he's like, "How are you doing?" And they're like, oh, "We're you know we're in hell, but okay." He's like, "No, but really, how are you doing?" 
And they like just sort of shrug and they're like, oh, we're fine. Like, <laughs> it felt they very just, Bill and Ted. They now. roll with it, right? And that's the yeah. big thing to take from all this. Like, yeah, no, it was just, yeah. This film was a delight. Check your brain at the door. It's it's enough. It's enough sci-fi, uh, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff, right? Like this film was never built upon a hard foundation of like that can never happen. Great. Um, I they didn't revisit certain things. Like they didn't do the thing like in the first film where Napoleon was left around to go to um, like you know a Chuck E. Cheese and then a water park. Which, by the way, those are my favorite parts of that first film, to see Napoleon eat all the like ice cream and then go to the water park and shove people out of the way. That's amazing to me. Ziggy Piggy. Ziggy Piggy. And then the second film where like they travel through the afterlife, and then at one point, whenever Death looks up at the god, he's like, eh, they melvined me. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> like, there's, there's all these bits that are so good, right? And then this third film where it's like, like it, it, it and they're like, we'll just go forward and steal it from ourselves. And then to see like the shell game of that is entertaining. Like each of these have a different vibe and that's what you want from these films. Right. And I, I think this film was delightful. Um, I'm glad that I, I mean, maybe not everybody else can do Not everybody else can do this, but I, I literally watched all three of these in a row and it really, other than I feel like even though people argue Keanu's not he's not ageless, he is. Like <laughs> But the fact that like he's still committed to this while he's doing like his John Wick stuff and shaved his beard, which is like like the big deal right now. Um Alex Winter, again, do more. Like I think he needs to be in more things. He he they both carried this film emotionally. Um, I, I adored this film and I hope people check it out and I hope they pay full price to rent it. And then a couple dollars more to own it. Not because I want a fourth film with these characters, which would be wonderful, but I think this is a wonderful ending to this. And I want, I want the world to prove that it was right for this third film to exist. Yeah, I'm 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 on board with you 100. percent I would say to people who are on the fence about it, rent it. It's a good time. Watch it. Uh, I'm assuming it's still probably you know 24.99 to buy. I would highly recommend buying it. Um, you're going to revisit it again. Um, I guarantee it. And you know, I'm not saying I want a fourth film and I, I don't think they do either, but if, if I'd be open, if they were like, we came up with an idea for a fourth one, I'd be all over it. So yeah, get the daughters, this like, the, give them the more of the forefront. It's yeah. fine. Like I'm okay with that. Send them back to 1988 and then, you know, have them have to interact with their dads. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Some no. writer came up with that. I don't know who he was, but he was a genius. It, that was their name was Stephen King um, that I'm talking yeah. to right now. So, no, this film this film was fun, and I'm glad that we watched it. I'm glad we got to talk about it. And and credit to Steve that he was like, "Hey, we've not talked about things that have come out recently. Recently, I mean, the last ride documentary, yeah, but in terms of like theatrical releases, because we're both like you know aware of plague outside, it's been hard to get into like new new releases." So this was fun. It was good to get into something that like I had no expectations for. And I adored this film. It was a lot of fun. 
Yep. Yep. All right. I, so, all right. Um, so before we get into uh, the game here, which, you know, we're, we're two hours plus deal with it. Um, you guys can find us on Facebook, Invasion of the Podcast. You guys can email us directly at invadingpodcastgmail.com. Wherever you find your podcast, uh, rate and review us. That would be really, 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 really appreciated. And I'm going to throw out a new segment here briefly um, that um, that we should do uh, now, which is like other podcasts that we like because I feel like we've done um, – like there is friends that we know that are all podcasting and doing things. Um, and I feel like we should support their podcast. So let me find um, our friend Rich, who was on our show last year, talk about uh, death wish three. He has launched a podcast. Uh, it's called at the devil's ball. Um, and you guys can find that at, at the devil's ball, uh, like, dot blogspot.com but you wherever you find your podcast he and another host are getting they've dug into the nightmare on elm strip series and i'm going to be talking about the wonderful stephen king film not so wonderful film sleepwalkers at some point in september so check out their content that'd be amazing also check out you know talk without rhythm uh steve i don't know if you have a podcast to recommend that's not us but i'm sure you have a few that you've been listening to uh, I'm trying to think. I think that well, Shockwaves. That's the Mick Garris podcast, right? That you listen to. Well, so Shockwaves is a podcast that uh, is on hiatus right now. Um, uh-huh. Mick Garris's podcast is, um, oh boy, I'm trying to think of the I name put of you it on right the spot. now. I'm sorry, I messed all that up. No, that's okay. Um, but unfortunately, I haven't been listening to too many new podcasts other than the Scrubs podcast. And I feel like I've talked about that. <laughs> Postmortem with Mick Garris is the podcast that's currently on hiatus. That is correct. Yeah. No, but I've, I've checked out um, uh, At the Devil's Ball, and it's been entertaining and fun. And I feel like uh, we're partly responsible for that because uh, Rich was like, oh, when, you, when he came on our show talking about Death Wish 3... He's like, yeah, it kind of like, you know, lit the fire. I'm like, all right, cool. So like, check it out. It's been a fun conversation between him and his co-host. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, that's, that's podcast talk. Uh, find us wherever you get your podcast rate reviews to be great. Recommend us to others, people, other, others, people. That's not a thing. Uh, and then Steve, how can people find you and the things that you do? You can find me at the Saturday Night Slasher.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram under the Saturday Night Slasher. And you can find me at Twitter under the Saturday Slasher. Excellent. That's what I say about that. So, all right, before we get to the quiz about Bill and Ted, here we go. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. All right, so uh, coming out of this, I did think of two podcasts real quick that I would I would recommend. Uh, one is uh, Rebecca McHenry's Nightmare University. Um, she is of Shockwave's fame. Uh, she has her own podcast as well. Uh, it's a great podcast. She does a lot of deep cuts on that show. And the other podcast that I listen to that I would recommend is uh, uh, called Best Movies Never Made. They cover everything from 
original ideas that weren't made to cinematic um, sequels and cinematic sequels, sequels and uh, versions of, of properties that, you know, hadn't gotten made. Like they did an entire series on uh, Spider-Man up until the first Raimi movie and how many attempts there were about that. And um, they've covered uh, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash and, all kinds of other different movies. Uh, it's a really fascinating listening, though. Nice. I'm um, we'll also throw out there that uh, people want to follow uh, comedian Kyle Kinane on Facebook. He has been doing a uh, a uh, not live reading, but he's been recording readings of his chapters of like reading aloud uh, Dracula. It's called uh, Public Domain with Kyle Kinane, and uh, yeah, it's just him reading Dracula over a microphone and him just every so often pausing just because he's Kyle Kinane and he's drinking and he'll just interject his uh, commentary into Bram Stoker's Dracula. I found this last night in the first, the first chapter is like 40 minutes. He's like up to chapter 14. Um, I'm sure it's delightful. So if people want to get like kind of spooky now that we're in September, check out Kyle Kinane reading uh, Dracula out loud. It's, it's, it's entertaining. Nice. I've never actually read the original Dracula, so that would be interesting to, to visit. Yeah, it's just if you want to, like, you know, a guy from like Chicago getting drunk and reading Dracula out loud, there, that's what you got to do. So it's entertaining. Well, it'll probably be in a guy in Ohio getting drunk and listening to somebody <laughs> read Dracula. So perfect. All right. So uh, what? What our game is Bill and Ted related, right? Yeah. So it occurred to me that for something that isn't like a huge franchise. There's a lot of merchandise out there for Bill and Ted, like a lot for something that you would think, you know, maybe had two movies and a cartoon series. There's there's awful a lot of there's an awful lot of material out there that you could get uh, that's Bill and Ted related. And I thought, what better way than to dive on eBay and see what we could get to sate our our Bill and Ted fever. Um, and I came up with a game that's just basically a higher and lower version of things I found on eBay of Bill and Ted memorabilia. So I'll give you an item, tell you what it is, and then you tell me if it's lo- higher or lower than the price I'm going to Okay, perfect. Okay. So many people, uh, many people, people may find this interesting that there have been a couple of different comic book adaptations of Bill and Ted. Um, they had a uh, series uh, that ran, I think, from Marvel, written by Evan Dorkin, and I believe Dark Horse just released a new series uh, that's tied into the film, uh, also written by Evan Dorkin. But before that, there had been a movie adaptation of Bill and Ted. Now, when I think of movie adaptations and comics, I'm usually thinking of the you know, uh, your Star Treks, your Star Wars, your Indiana Jones. I was unaware that they had actually adapted the first Bill and Ted into a comic book. Uh, and uh, turns out that there was a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure comic book adaptation, number one, from 1989 by DC Comics. Now, if I were to go to eBay right now, could you find it for higher or lower than $10? Lower. Well, you're correct, but not by much. Uh, Nine ninety-seven is what the current bid is on a copy of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure comic adaptation. Excellent. Yeah, I thought that that was interesting. I didn't even know that they did that. I knew that there was 
stuff that tied into it tangentially, but I had no idea that there was an adaptation of it. Um, the the uh, next one here, and, and you see these a lot of times with a lot of different films where they'll do press kits and uh, they'll get out into the wild and people will sell them. So there was a Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey movies press kit that's uh, up on eBay right now. Would you say that that went for higher or lower than $20? Higher. Surprisingly lower. Right now you could get uh, the, uh, at least the current bid on Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey's movie press kit is only at $5.50, oh. which I, 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 I think sounds like a steal. Well, I think you should buy that tonight, like after we get recording. <laughs> I'll go place a bit. Alrighty, so next up is a box of Bill and Ted's Excellent Cereal that was sealed with a cassette box. Now, there's some damage to the box, but for the most part, it's still shrink-wrapped. Do you think that would go for higher or lower than $40? Just keep in mind, that's how big Bill and Ted were at one point, that there was a cereal. Well, with the sealed cassette, um, mm-hmm. higher than 40 you're correct. Sixty nine ninety nine. There was one sixty nine. Like nice. <laughs> I didn't even put that together. That's how slow I am. That's the number they um, were thinking of in the first film like when they talked to each other. It's like what number were they? Sixty nine, dude. <laughs> that's very good. I didn't put put that together because I was too focused on the pristine version that I found. You, you were too focused on providing good content for people listening. I appreciate that. I was working hard or hardly working. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that was was more. All right. Next one here. This is a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive from 2017. Again, this is how, you know, pop culture works. In 2017, NECA made a um, death figure, eight inches, uh, clothed figure, it was limited to a thousand. It was a Comic Con exclusive. Would you be able to find it right now on eBay for higher or lower than one hundred and fifty dollars? Higher, because I think it would be worth it. Yeah, one hundred and ninety nine right now is what that figure is going for on eBay, which is crazy to me. I mean, I I, I get the you know the uh, desire for it, but. Still $200 I mean, is, for a neck. Is the fandom seats. out there, like, really? I mean, it's just, like, we we both love Bill and Ted. And it's like, as much as I'd love to own a death figure, I think it'd be hilarious, right? I read the room, but there, there's probably people that's like, that's their thing. That is their focus, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm always leery of, like, exclusive figures anyways. Um I remember last year, El Goro was able to score a couple of NECA's. Uh, I think it might have been a, a Batman Predator uh, exclusive that he was able to get um, online. But I'm, I'm sure that like that stuff is crazy high right now. And um, it, it all depends, I guess, as far as uh, the property goes. But that, Well, that's, that's the question for you. Like, what property would be the one where it's like, they're dropping a figure for 200, like in terms of like buyout right now, what would be the <coughs> fandom? That would be the thing where it's like, take my money. Like, where are you at with that? 
Uh, wow. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I have a, a thing where I get leery about spending anything over like twenty-five to thirty dollars for a figure. <laughs> as, um, as well, you should because I would believe that's the right price for that stuff. Yes. So I, I mean, I have a a twelve-inch Hot Toys Luke Skywalker based off of uh, the very ending of uh, uh, The Force Awakens. So it's Luke in like the old man garb that I got as a Christmas gift. And uh, I think that fi- that figure, I think, A, my wife and her, uh, my mother-in-law, bought for me on a payment plan. Oh, <laughs> it wow. was like $200. Um, but I, I, I struggle with that. I think I have a couple other figures that are somewhere in the 80 to 90 dollar range but yeah i i don't know there's a a neca 89 batman uh that is like 250 dollars that i would love to have it's a keaton batman that looks amazing but i can't bring myself to spend that kind of money that's fair i was just asking because i know you have a lot more collectibles than i do and um, I know that for me, the Great White Whale was the uh, the Dark Hawk uh, Marvel Legends figure that I probably could have waited to get, but I know it was at a Wizard World, and the guy's like, "Yeah, I think it was." He said like thirty or forty bucks. It's like, just give it to me. It's fine. Like I that was about my limit to have a uh, plastic Dark Hawk figure, which I still have. Um, outside of that, I just I don't know. Like I get that these are things that we love. Um, but they're still just like toys on a shelf eventually. Yep. Or they'll go in my casket. One of the two. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, you don't want to open them up. You know, you're in your cat. No, don't open them. They're going to preserve <laughs> like their worth. You know, my casket will be uh, the uh, plastic seal that uh, will God, I didn't, I've never even thought about that. No, your casket really will dark. be filled with uh, the ingredients for your Kmart deli sandwich and then wrapped in plastic as your lord in the ground. That's what's going to be. <laughs> kept overnight, but kept forever. All right. I've already ruined this show like six times, so let's, let's <laughs> move on. Uh, so the next one here, uh, did you know they had an NES game? No, but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, so Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure NES game. Uh, if you were to hop on eBay right now, uh, would you find a copy for higher or lower than $15? Lower, because they probably pumped that shit up. Yeah, you're right. It's $6.99. I was like, $6.99? Jeez. But still, $69. Excellent. <laughs> exactly. $699. I don't know if it's as excellent or not, but whatever. Uh, so like every film that came out in the eighties, uh, there was also a, uh, card set. Did you know that training card set? Doesn't surprise me. Cause everything you write had a card set. Okay. So, uh, I do like the name of, uh, the set. It was called Bill and Ted's most atypical movie cards. <laughs> so <laughs> I really do give them credit for coming up with that title. Uh, but, uh, you can get an unopened box of those, uh, on eBay right now, so they'd be nice and minty fresh. If you were to purchase those, would they be higher or lower than twenty nine ninety nine? Higher. You're correct. Forty four ninety nine is what you would need to uh, 
get yourself a cop, uh, a, a fresh unopened box. Bogus. That's what I say about that. I don't know that we've ever talked trading cards on this. Did you ever collect any trading cards? Um, I had the, the first Marvel series that they put out. Um, and I really like strive to get all those and I ended up completing a set and I don't have it anymore. Um, but yeah, I just, and then also <laughs> this could be a whole episode uh, about trading cards. Do you remember when they put out desert storm trading cards? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I had a Norman Storman Schwarzkopf that was amazing, but I bought, I, I just, I don't know what it was, but I had this compulsion to get like the first series of desert storm cards. It's dumb and jingoistic as all get out, but yeah, that happened. Yeah, I uh, I still have a uh, I have a full set of those Marvel cards. So if you the Marvel cards are cool. At- like why why was there a rookie full killer card? I have no idea. But, uh, <laughs> I, it's got my all time favorite card in there. They gave Stan Lee his own card. No, that's and the one that I- you posted as an image of the like the um, the multi phase Stan Lee with like. Uh, the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, all of that, right? Whenever he passed, yeah. that was your Facebook. Mm-hmm. That was the one I picked too, because that was the Stan Lee card. You're right. Yeah, I love that Stan Lee card. And then uh, what I also loved about them was they gave out like random facts. Yeah. And then the like, foil cards too were jokey. pretty cool. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, please. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just, I remember the Ghost Rider card was pretty cool. It was a Ghost Rider rookie card. It was Danny Ketch Ghost Rider, right? Like that was yeah. uh and I think Sleepwalker had a card, um, or Dark Hawk. Dark Dark Hawk. One of those two had a card. They, they probably do. I'll dig it out the next time uh, uh, I'm I, I'm I'm looking for that stuff, and I'll I'll, uh, I'll let you know. But uh, I'll sneak yeah, in and was, steal was, them. Was, That's what's going to happen. I want to break your setup. That. Yeah. Uh, I oddly enough also collected Dick Tracy, and uh, which. I still have not seen Dick Tracy, but I collected the cards yeah. for some reason. And uh, Gremlins 2 uh, was around that same time period. So I had a full set of Gremlins 2 cards. So, all right. Uh, instead of uh, bringing us down, I'll bring us back up. The next thing is, yeah. is uh, this is an issue of Cracked. So for those of you who don't know what Cracked was, Cracked was a satire magazine similar to mad magazine for those of you that don't know mad magazine is um it was like uh a satire magazine similar to national lampoons for those of you who don't know who national lampoons is i'm I <laughs> this all day <laughs> um, if you don't know what satire is we'll just go back and back and back yeah so yeah uh crack magazine they did uh uh, an issue with a Bill and Ted cover uh, in which they did for uh, Bogus Journey. This would be uh, issue 268. Uh, the title of the, the uh, or the, the header on the Crack Magazine is, is We Total Bill and Ted. And uh, it's based off of Bogus Journey. So their parody of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, uh, that copy can be found on eBay right now. Would you say it would be higher or lower than five dollars for the cracked magazine satire? Lower because it's cracked. Lower. (laughs) Surprisingly higher. Really, fourteen forty nine right now. So it must be an issue that's not out there in the wild very much. Because I was like, fifteen bucks. That seems high. It's cracked. Fifteen dollars seems high in general. Yes. 
Cracked was the poor man's uh, Mad Magazine, but I, I still bought both of them. So, well, I um, still go to Cracked.com like all the time, which is that's not the same thing as the magazine, but they're pretty entertaining. Yeah, and you know, I remember for the first time I came across that, I was like, "Oh, did somebody like is somebody doing something with the Cracked title?" No, it's it's not the same thing at all. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, all right, so the next one here uh, is a best. Of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures animated TV series DVD set. Um, apparently, this is out of print, so it's hard to get. Uh, but would you be able to find that DVD for higher or lower than $25? Lower. It's actually higher because it's out of print. Right now, the current bid on the one that's up there on eBay is like $38. But when I checked Amazon, I think it was like $49 or $50. Mm. <laughs> Forty nine or fifty. Yeah. Yeah. It's like forty nine or $50. I don't know, but it was high up there. We'll put it that way. So surprising. Alrighty. So the next one here, uh, this is based on the same, uh, cartoon. Uh, you could actually buy production drawings and animation cells. So this is a Bill and Ted's excellent adventures production drawing that was from uh, Hanna Barbera bear at the time who was producing the series. Would you be able to buy that for higher or lower than $75 lower? You're correct, but it's actually, it's, it's in the ballpark. It's 63 it's, it's 74 99. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I didn't go that close. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next one here, we've only got two left. This is the Bill S. Preston Esquire Kenner action figure on card. I, I thought it was going to be the Bill Esquire, S. Esquire, a lawyer diploma kit. Um. <laughs> no, but uh, can you find this action figure for higher or lower than $50 on eBay? Now, keep in mind, this is on card. This isn't like a loose figure. <sighs> 50 bucks for that. Because it's rare. I'm going to say higher. Surprisingly lower. I would have said higher myself had I not actually seen the listing on eBay, but it was $40. So did so. you buy one? I just want to know. Did you? I No, I did not. <laughs> uh, if I was going to buy something, I would buy this next thing here. Okay. And it's the last question. It's uh, from that same Kenner line. It's a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure 2-pack Wild Stallions Jam Session 2-figure uh, two, two pack. So it's Bill and Ted packaged together. Um, would you find that for higher or lower than $100? Lower, just because reasons. So yeah, while the Bill figure was only $40 by itself, for some reason this two-pack is $120. Oh, Jesus. So it must okay. be rare. I don't know why, but I would you know, think you would just want to buy a Bill and Ted separately and probably could make out better. I mean, my goal in my life is to always make out better. That's my goal. So, um, no, that, no, that's weird. That's weird. Um, price points for a franchise that's been very much, uh, forgotten, but not. Yeah. So I just thought it was interesting. Once I started digging into how much shit was out there, I was like, wow, there's a lot of Bill and Ted stuff that I'm unaware of. Well, did you like, know I knew there was a cartoon series? There was but cartoon. I didn't know. Did, you, did you know about the live action series? No. You should look it up. It's weird. Yeah. 
There's a whole. Was, was it like uh, the USA Weird Science series that they tried to pull off in the with Vanessa Angel in it? No, yeah. No. Um, I, I remember liking that one a fair amount because uh, Vanessa Angel was in that. Which, if people remember her, she was in Kingpin uh, as uh, the female uh, lead in that. Um, but no, like it, it's kind of the same thing, but it only lasted like seven episodes on Fox. I just watched a video about it like last night. Like someone like reviewed it. It is, um, it's atrocious. So you should check out, uh, the video of, uh, the Bill and Ted live action series. You know, that might be actually an interesting episode to do in the future about, uh, films that were turned into unsuccessful television shows. <laughs> I, I feel like, uh, Revenge of the Nerds had, uh, a turn where Maybe. they tried to get a pilot off the ground. Well, I know they had two made for TV movies. You're right. Yeah, no, I mean, this was a pilot, I think, with different actors and, like, like a, a sitcom. Where what if, what if we could track off. down the original pilot for the live-action Clerks show? With, oh, uh, with uh, boy. Was it um, uh, Jay, Jay Brewer? Not Jay Brewer. What's his name? Uh, Jim, Jim Brewer. Brewer. Jim Brewer. Yeah. 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 I would be up for watching that, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe later. That'd be great. Um, oh, wait, our future selves came back. They said it didn't go well, but we're going to try it anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> so, all right, let's go do it for us this week. Uh, next week, we're going to be like looking at a documentary. I know that sounds like a snooze fest. However, this is available on HBO Max. It's called Clax, Clax, Class Action Park. It deals with a uh, amusement park that was in New Jersey called uh, Action Park that ran for like a number of years and was uh, dangerous as all get out. And, um, yeah, I just like, I, I want to watch this documentary. Steve's interested in it too. I worked at a music park for a number of years. Um, and let's just watch what, uh, what happens in Jersey when no one gives a shit about like guidelines. It's going to get weird, but if you guys want to watch the, the documentary, it's available on HBO max. Um, yeah, I think it's gonna be a fun talk. Yep. I look forward to it. And, uh, as we end tonight, I just would like to point out that, San Dimas football rules. <laughs>